Alright, it's gonna be tape to that we're gonna transfer from Saturday, May 11th year 2014. Was already in his 30s at the time. But that's a good episode, the income tax um, audit uh, episode. And then there's an, a haunted house episode, April 20th, 1949. One episode that I think shows Louise Erickson at her best uh, is the March 5th, 1947 episode. And I entitled that Marjorie loves Larry Lake. She's infatuated with a singer. And this episode, if you moved it 10 years ahead, Gildersleeve can't understand why he, she's infatuated with this singer. So he takes his niece to a symphony concert in hopes <laughs> of improving her appreciation for classical music. If you move that episode 10 years ahead and change the the character from a crooner, the singer, to maybe Elvis Presley, you could go into any number of homes and the same type of feeling would, parents would be saying, how can you, this hound dog man, uh, hound dog and blue suede shoes, oh, this isn't music, this is nonsense. And then you could move it 15 years ahead after that and say, how, what is this Led Zeppelin you're listening to? It's just noise, I can't stand it. It's an ageless episode. All you have to do is change the the names of the, I guess the the names of the characters to protect the guilty, as they used to say on on a paraphrase of Dragnet, and you'd have the typical adolescent versus parent generation gap. Just a, a wonderful episode, and Louise captures it just so perfectly. Uh, it's a wonderful, it shows her at her best. Right, so you and give me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got seven shows. Do you have one yeah, more? You, you can, well, you can, you can preview them if you want. Anything from the Louise Erickson era is likely to be very good. Okay. Because, and because Tetley was there and Perry was there. Another thing that the writers did for, for Tetley was they very often brought him in late because they knew he was so skilled at asking questions. They brought him in late on a conversation. Let's say Gildersleeve would be having a conversation with Bertie or with Leela or somebody else, and Tetley comes in late. Leroy comes in late. And... The two people are asking questions or talking back and forth. And let's say Gildersleeve is saying, I don't want to go to that party because I might meet him there. And then Leroy would say, meet who there? And the two people talking completely ignore all of Leroy's questions. And then the next person might say, well, why don't you do it and take my car because my car uh, is over at Judge Hooker's because... Uh, he's having a party there. And then Leroy might say, 
What party is Judge Shooker have? And all the time he's asking questions, and no, and they completely ignore him. And it, it's Leroy's ability to ask questions and put different inflections on the questions to show his growing frustration that shows what a remarkable comic talent he was. Uh, it didn't. It didn't matter what the situation was. He could put the right inflection on it. There was one instance where. Gildersleeve tells Leroy he has a task for him to do. And Leroy asks him, how much will you pay me? And Gildersleeve says, as much as you're worth. And Tetley's response, is that all? So he knew. He knew. He knew. And Tetley could handle the long questions and the short questions and just put the right degree of skepticism on it that nobody else uh, could do, and he yeah. could milk laughs. And that's why I, I said that very often it wasn't the lines that they spoke that make the show so funny. It's the way they said them. Bertie, for instance, uh, Lillian Randolph, could repeat the same piece of advice three, four times and then cap it off with a laugh. She might tell Gildersleeve, that's what I've already said. Feed us fever, starve a cold. And then Gildy would say, yes, I know. And then she'd repeat it again. Feed a fever, starve a cold. You know what I always say, Mr. Gildersleeve? And she'd repeat it three, four times, and then she'd tap it, tap it off with her distinctive laugh, and that would be her exit line, out. Not necessarily funny, but the way she said it and the way she capped it off with her laugh got her out. The, mm -hmm. the, way, the way Richard Peavy could milk laughs. He had a great sense of timing. When Gildersleeve would come in and you'd hear the ding as he would come in the drugstore, all it would take sometimes is, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. And the way he would pause, the way he would say it, sometimes not only got laughter, but got applause from the audience because they recognized he was into that character and he was PV personified. He was Peavy. He was not an actor playing Peavy. He was Peavy. I like that. One we or two been... other things that I, if and you can tell me if we're running over, just tell me if you if I need to get off. But there's one or two things that are just so remarkable about this show that it stops you in your tracks when you listen to it. And one of the things I wanted to mention that is when people hear it, they'll just drop their jaws because it's totally unheard of on any show that I am familiar with. We're often accustomed to people coming on the air and talking about rationing during World War II or about uh, care or about the community chest. A number of the actors and actresses would step out at the end of the program and deliver that public service announcement. On the Easter broadcast in 43, 44, and 47, James L. Kraft, the president of Kraft Foods, came on the show, and to listen to his Easter messages at the end of the show is just remarkable that the head of a large company would speak on the air for over two minutes to deliver an unabashedly bold, 
Christian message. It just makes your jaw drop. On the April 25, 1943 uh, show, almost his first words are, the fact of the resurrection, not the legend, not the story, but the fact of the resurrection. When he starts off on the 1944 broadcast, he starts off with the faith we live by. In that earlier 43 episode, he talks about the power of prayer. And both of those episodes concluded with a musical interlude of the strains of Jesus Christ is risen today. He was totally unashamed on that early broadcast of talking about now I lay me down to sleep and indicated how a number of men in the foxholes at that time told him in letters that that's, they get together and join hands and, and pray that prayer. Try to imagine an executive of Kraft or some other corporation like AT&T or Ford Motors or Coca-Cola delivering such a courageous message today in these contentious, politically correct times. The question I sometimes scratch my head when I hear that is, how many of the dot-com billionaires who are the darlings of the media now even admit to having any faith in a, a God or being Christian? It's just remarkable. Whether, whether a person agrees with his beliefs or not, it just is startling to hear an executive step forward like that and deliver such a, a powerful message and conclude an Easter show on such an uplifting note. They are remarkable shows, and I've listened to all of them. So I understand what you're saying. It really is so... Um, I'm going to use the word foreign in in the the most dictionary sense. It's a foreign concept today to have something like that even considered for a media, a medium, or our media. So I understand what you're telling me. Was there another thing? You said there were a couple of things you wanted sure. to. Sure. I also wanted to uh, mention how Jack Meekin, when he took over in the mid-40s, in 1945. He took over and he upgraded the entertainment value of the program considerably by, instead of just having generic bridges from one part of the show to the other, he looked at the script and he composed appropriate bridges that matched what was going on in the episode. For instance, in one episode, uh, when the boys, Jolly Boys, were getting ready to get together, he played Down by the Old Mill Stream, which was one of their, their songs. Uh, in a 1947 episode, when money was tight in the Gildy episode, he plays a few bars of Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Another time, when a windfall came into the family, he played a bridge of We're in the Money. There was a 1946 episode when uh, Gildersleeve and his neighbor were heading toward a skirmish, and he played Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? And it added significantly to the entertainment value of the program, and I tried to point this out in a number of the comments because many people today who are not familiar with the music of the 30s and the 40s wouldn't recognize these melodies unless uh, they, they studied the music of the times. 
So that's one of the things I tried to point out uh, in my comments. Um, another thing I, I tried to point out in, in the comments is inconsistencies or discrepancies that happen from time to time. For instance, a person may be listening to a show and they hear Gildersleeve announce his weight at 230 and they'll scratch their head and say, wasn't there a show a couple months ago where he said he weighed 213? I, I clear that up for them right away by saying in the comments, back in November he said his weight was this, or colleges that he attended. In an early show, he said he was a member of the Princeton 1914 class, and then later on, he said he was a member of the, the State University. Some of the topical references, for instance, a character in the 1941 show mentions the six flavors of stamps, orange, lime, raspberry, strawberry, cherry, and lemon, and it gets a laugh, and many people who are not familiar with the times may not realize that those were the flavors of Jell-O. And that's why the people were laughing. And they very often were mentioned on the Jack Benny program, those flavors, and on other programs. Some of the topical references to characters and to politicians like John L. Lewis, who was the head of the United Mine Workers, Estes Kefauver, uh, characters in cartoons, people who are familiar with Little Abner, know the Shmoo, which was a character in Little Abner. and Judge Hooker mentions the shmoo, and to a number of people, they wouldn't know who that was. So I try to mention that in the, in the comments. Pauline Drake, who was the first Bessie, the secretary for Gildersleeve, a little-known fact was that she played a receptionist, a character named Bessie in a Mr. Wong film, The Fatal Hour, the year before. The first appearances by writers... Uh, at any time I identify what other shows they were on so that it could establish some sense of authority. For instance, the very first episode Paul West works on for the show, I mentioned that he was also a writer for Father Knows Best on both the television program and the radio program. In one episode, Tetley demonstrates that unique ability. If anybody's listened to the Phil Harris Alice Faye show, you net remember Sometimes he gets into these dilemmas that Remley and Harris put him in, like being dropped into a swimming pool. And on one Gildersleeve episode, he demonstrates that underwater gargle that he did so well. <laughs> he did it so well, and I mentioned that he did it on the Harris and Faye show. One time when Gildersleeve is getting engaged, somebody in the on the cast, ridicules him by saying, he's lovely, he's engaged, and they wonder why it gets such a big laugh. I explained that that was a takeoff on the popular advertising slogan of the day, she's lovely, she's engaged, she uses ponds. And Leroy was fascinated in the late 40s and the early 50s with Hopalong Cassidy, so I explained why Hoppy was such a part of young boys' minds in the late 40s and early 50s. And one of the things that I mention in the, in the comments is how the writers would very often 
use certain instances, certain events in the show and relate it to historical or literary situations. While listening to all of the adventures in the series, I was impressed by the frequency of allusions spoken by Gildersleeve and the other residents of Summerfield. Over 100 of the 554 episodes contain quotations from the works of notable authors like Tennyson and Shakespeare, Longfellow, Burns, Keats, Kipling, Whittier, Browning, Cervantes, Dryden, Coleridge, and even allusions to the plain folks poets like Robert Service and Edgar Guest and Riley, James Whitcomb Riley, and also advice coming from the scriptures like Psalms, Isaiah, Matthew, and Luke. Quotes like, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. The quality of mercy is not strained. Watchmen, what of the night? Sometimes they were used with ironical effect, like Gildersleeve would also tell, often tell Leroy, procrastination is the thief of time. He's the great procrastinator, and he was telling people about the, the dangers of procrastination. Almost all of the quotations, 98% of them, were spoken without attribution. Even if the audience did not remember if the author of the works cited was Byron or Burns, they appreciated the worthy sayings because such references established as authority or gave credence to what the characters had to say. They recognized them as pertinent quotes worked unobtrusively into the narrative for the benefit of those living in Summerfield and in Radioland. During the March 30th, 1948 broadcast of Fibber McGee and Molly, George Gamble unequivocally declared to his pal McGee that the ability to quote from the classics is one mark of an educated man, a statement no one would have questioned at the time. I don't know what place allusions have in a, a culture today where people fill in the, the missing cursor and search online for all of the clues but it's somewhat interesting in that this program was a show that could be educational entertaining and humorous all in the course of the same half hour without being didactic or moralistic about it. Mm -hmm. It it showed rather than told. When you got to the episode uh, end of an episode in which Gildersleeve had made a fool out of himself, like that one we talked about e earlier, uh, with the housing and the railroad car, they didn't have to make the point at the end. People got the point just by what happened. Mm-hmm. Understood. That was a great show, too. I really liked that one. And I liked, as you said, the way TV came out the hero at the end, an unlikely person to do that because he was not a forward-in-your-face character, 
but he came out the hero. Yes. That was great. We have been talking with Claire Schultz, who is the author of the recently published Tuning in the Great Gildersleeve, the episodes and cast of radio's first spin-off show, 1941 to 1957. It was published by McFarland and Company. McFarland can be found at www.mcfarland, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D, pub, mcfarlandpub.com. Um, this is not your first book. We need to at least acknowledge, at the very least acknowledge, the other two that we have here. Can I do that? Yes. Go ahead. We, we have Sibber McGee and Molly on the air, 1935 to 1959, which is set up similarly to the uh, Gildersleeve book. It's got some wonderful information. You even did some cartoons in there for us. Um, great information about the show, about the characters, about the actors, and an episode-by-episode -episode guide with comments about each of the episodes, which I absolutely love. Your, your commentary is just so wonderful on all of the shows. You give um, the date of the show, the title, the cast, a summary of the show, the writers, and then some of your own comments insights or little peeks into what happens in the shows and some thoughts and um, interpretations about what happens in there. So I just, I really have such a great time and you're such a wonderful writer. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, that's, that's not a, a gratuitous statement at all. I really mean that. It's just plain fun to read what you have written. Your other book, On the Screen, On the Air, On My Mind, is a compilation of outstanding articles and some of them were brand new. Some of them were collected from uh, ones you had written or had published earlier about a variety. I mean, a whole range of actors and actresses from everywhere, from radio, from television, from, and, and movies. And it just is filled with insights into the lives and the backgrounds and the personalities of these people we typically only know as actors and performers. So both of them were put out by Bear Manor Media, bearmanormedia.com. Those two are available up there, and the most recent one about Gildersleeve is a McFarland publication. And I just love it that you shared all three of them with us. Well, I'm happy to, to do it. Uh, I think that it it's a, a way of bringing back those days for people who weren't necessarily alive then, but who appreciate uh, what happened uh, during those years and what radio could offer that other mediums um, could not offer, and also what motion pictures uh, of the 30s, 40s, and 50s could offer uh, back in the days when uh, restraint wasn't sometimes imposed by the Hayes office and the Breen office and some of the other offices, but uh, restraint uh, necessarily didn't mean that the movies uh, were inferior entertainment. Uh, when you look at uh, the rankings, when people rank the, the 10 greatest films of all time, the 10 greatest comedies, whatever it might be, uh, a number of them from those days, like Casablanca and 
the Maltese Falcon, the Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, they're still up there. And they were made many decades ago. So just because it may have a few whiskers on it doesn't mean it's not great entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great fun for me. I'm still going back periodically to on the screen, on the air, on my mind. Uh, for particular people, you did a wonderful Vincent Price. You've got Tallulah Bankhead in there. I love old black and white movies. I will take an old black and white movie over anything visual. And you gave me an opportunity to learn about the people who are in these movies that I love so much. So it really has extra special meaning to me. And I, I'm just so grateful that you passed on a copy of the book and I'm able to enjoy it. So both of them, Fibber McGee and Molly, on the air, plus on the screen, on the air, on my mind, are available through BearManorMedia.com. That's bear like a little teddy bear. Manor, like I live in the manor up the road. Media, BearManorMedia.com. And the Great Gildersleeve is with McFarlandPub.com. And gosh, it's been fun having you. You are just such a wonderful guest, and I, I really enjoyed talking with you so much. And you spend before, hours... Before our conversation ends... Uh -huh. uh, I just would like to uh, say that because we're now in the second decade of this century, uh, I think many people today, and this is another reason why I enjoy doing these books, have lost connection with the old-time radio of the 30s and 40s because we've moved so far ahead in time that the frame of reference for many people today, just by the fact that we're living now in the second decade of this century. The frame of reference is early television, not radio. I can remember when I was younger, uh, and I grew up with radio in my early years and also grew up with early television, the frame of reference was radio and then into television. I think if you talk to many people today about Ozzy and Harriet, it's the TV show they remember. Not mm -hmm. the reason. If you talk to them about Bob Hope or Red Skelton, they remember them from television and maybe their movies. I remember talking with a, uh, my pastor uh, about 15 years ago. He was about 30, just got out of the seminary. And I talked with him about Phil Harris. He doesn't remember the radio series at all or songs associated with Harris like Do Wah Diddy. What he remembers is Phil Harris providing the voice for Baloo the Bear in the 1967 animated film. You remember that film, maybe The Jungle Book, and singing The Bear Necessities. So I think it's, it's the frame of reference has, has changed. If you want a current example to prove that, pick up the May-June issue of the magazine Cowboys and Indians. The cover story is on the new Lone Ranger film. You probably have heard about that coming out in June or July. Yes. The frame of reference for the entire article is the TV series. Clayton Moore is mentioned, and Jay Silverheels, and also uh, the two actors, Hammer and Depp, who are going to portray the Lone Ranger and Tonto in this new film. But there's no mention of Earl Grazier, Brace Beamer, or John Todd, the actors who portrayed the roles on radio. Walden probably remembers 
the statement that he made when he was writing for the candidacy to be on the Spurdvac board, he mentioned how membership in that organization has declined from about 1,800 to 775. Right. And he was he's hoping to increase that membership, and I wish him well. Thank you. I think part of it is just a matter of time. Many members who were there 15, 20 years ago, I joined in 1988, they're now deceased or infirmed or uh, for one reason or another uh, can't continue to renew. Uh, it's the same reason why the recreations at conventions have tapered off. The stars of old-time radio who really performed in the recreations in the 70s and the 80s, I remember being at one with Parley Bear and Fred Foy and other people, they're no longer living. Most of the major stars of old-time radio were born between 1890 and 1915, and now we're, if not close to 100, over 100 years since that time. And so it's, it's just a sign of the times, and I'm glad to do anything I can to bring back those days. Not necessarily when knighthood was in flower, but when <laughs> Gildersleeve was in flower and when Fibber was in flower. Uh, for people who don't remember those programs when they were growing up uh, and maybe want to associate with them now because they've grown a little tired of the entertainment that's being offered to them on their computers, on their television screens, and on the movie screens. Well, we're doing our best on Saturday nights, and yesterday USA is doing its best during the entire week. This is a 24-hour-a-day station, and we periodically will get calls from people who have just discovered old-time radio, which is really fun to hear. I'm not all that old in old-time radio. I'm kind of a newcomer to this. But um, so it, it's, you know, extra fun for me when somebody calls in and says, oh, I've been listening for six months and I love it. It's, it's just great fun. And then I have an opportunity to send radio shows to them. And you've given me a great list of guildy shows that I should make sure are included. And I wrote them down too. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got all seven dates. So... I have. I will be doing my homework as well. Well, I am just so delighted that you were able to spend so much time with us, Mr. Schultz. This is just terrific. I mean, I, I can't say anything more than that. One more thing uh, I would like to share with the listeners: my mm -hmm. email in case my email address in case they want to contact me with some inquiries about the books or some questions about uh, these two programs or any other uh, programs. Uh, that they might be interested uh, in learning a little bit more about with old-time radio because, as you mentioned, many of the articles in on the screen, on the air, on my mind deal with other radio shows. My email address is one that should ring a bell to anybody who remembers Fibber McGee and Molly. It's wistful79vista at hotmail.com. That's W-I-S-T. F-U-L-7-9-V-I-S-T-A at Hotmail.com. It has been broadcast. The whole world knows your email now. I hope you start getting some, uh, some comments from people and some inquiries about the shows and about the books. 
we'll sure we do periodically refer to them and um you know, the Fibber McGee and Molly book is always sitting next to me because we typically play at Fibber McGee and Molly. So I've always got your book next to me on Saturday nights. So I'm in good company here. So I thank you one more time for spending so much time with us and for caring enough to put so much work into a book for us to hold on to and learn from. It's wonderful. All right. I look forward to talking with you again sometime. Perfect. Our pleasure. Thanks, Mr. Schultz. Good night. Good night. Good night. Let me announce to everybody the show. The phone's been ringing. Uh, so we're going to be taking calls here uh, after the Great Grocery Show. I chose the one that Louise Erickson was looking for, and I found it, and Larry sent it off to her. This is the show that she was a singer on. It might as well be spring. And she never knew why, so she was never a singer. And so, this was the show. And this was a big hit for Dick Haynes, this song. And so I thought when Patricia said, pick out a Louise Erickson show, this is the one I grabbed. Perfect. So, you're ready, Patricia? I'm ready, Walden. Here we go. The Kraft Foods Company presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Now let's join the Great Gildersleeve. He has battled his way through Christmas and New Year's. He has forced himself back into the routine of work at the office. He has savored the bliss of the children's return to school. And now comes Saturday. A nice, bright, wintry Saturday. Oh, hello, Auntie. I didn't know you were here. Uh, yes, my dear, I live here. Has the mail come yet? I couldn't say. I haven't heard anything. Well, I might just look anyway. Hmm. It has come. Uh. Well, where is it? Where's what? The mail. Oh, there wasn't anything for me, so I just left it in the box. <laughs> My dear, you've got to learn to be more thoughtful of others. You've got... Is it just a bunch of bills? That's all. Then let them lay. <laughs> okay. Wish I could leave them out there till February. <laughs> I'm as restless as a willow. Excuse me, Miss Chelsea, are you doing anything? Well, yes and no, <laughs> Pretty hot. Well, maybe I can stand it. Oop. <laughs> uh, ah. Well, well. Little Marjorie and Ben. 
good day's work when you come to the end of a perfect day. And you... Hey, Al, you in there? Yeah. What are you doing? Taking a bath, getting myself clean. Something you ought to do oftener. I don't hear you walking. Don't worry about me, my boy. Go to bed. Good night. You too, folks. Don't wait up for me. I may be here quite a while. <laughs> the Great Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It is written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. The music is by Jack Meekin. This is John Lang speaking for the Kraft Foods Company and inviting you to listen in again next week for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. about this easy way to pep up wintertime meals? Good cooks do it every day simply by adding the flavor tang of Kraft salad mustard to a variety of cooked dishes. Creamy smooth for blending and delicately spiced, this golden Kraft salad mustard has just what it takes to liven up egg and cheese dishes. Puts an extra tempting flavor tang into meat, gravies, and barbecue sauces. And for sharper taste, there's also Kraft mustard with nippy horseradish added. Buy both of these delicious Kraft mustards when you shop tomorrow. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. January 6, 1946. Hope everybody's doing well. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to help the hungry and the poor. Help our listening audience, our family, the people who are struggling, maybe financially or emotionally or health at this time. Bless this station and bless this country. Forgive our shortcomings. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's get Patricia really soon. Here we go. Jaws for Windows is ready. Welcome to Sky. TSSM. Build Claire Schultz. Build Plus William. Tim Bowler. Favorite Strat. All Shake. Build Brad. Online. Echoes. Imaginer. Ivan K. Jerry Hent. Kansas. Michael. Bowling Hent. Rips Club. Susan Shot. Tim Bowler. William Millet. Plus one. Build Ride. Claire Schultz. Cynthia. Dennis Hart. Frank Ressie. Phone Jeff Silk. Jim Taylor. KAC. Carolyn Rock. Carolyn Ride. 
but break at you with phone number plus one two three application. Cop send SMS message invite the group call. Enter leaving menu. But break at you with phone number unloading pause. Cancel okay play. I are here. Alright, here we go. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. How in the world are we? I'm rested now. Seven one four. You're rested. <laughs> while you while you're giving out the phone number, you could turn yourself up just a teeny tick. Alrighty. I mean a teeny tick. Beep 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 beep. There's a teeny. That's a teeny. I can do a tick. All right, do a tick. Tick 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 tock. That's perfect. Hold it right there. <laughs> perfect. Thank you. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We are back and we are back. And we got a lot to cover. And we have a lot to cover. I have two big boxes that came in mail today. They're sitting next to the table. And they are our brand new board. Hooray! We're, and that means... We're going to have a good, better sounding system starting on Wednesday. We're going to install this whole new board and install a new board for January. So, whoop be doo and this is going to be on Wednesday. Wednesday, the big day. Hello there, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, it's Kurt from La Habra. Well, hi, Kurt from La Habra. I, how in the we, world are we, you, and do, how are things going out there? Do we know this caller, Patricia? Yeah, I, his voice is familiar. I think it, it might be. Hello, Kurt. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poor guy. Well, uh, first of all, it looks like uh, Kathy is coming home Tuesday. Oh, okay. good news. And um, she, um, we need your prayer, though, because she called me this afternoon because she's scared about coming home and getting up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. So we need everybody to pray that she can, that she can do that and, uh, you know, and then, you know, get back and forth to the bathroom and stuff. Right. Yeah. Are you going to have some help coming to help her out a little bit for a few weeks, Kurt? Or? Well, not uh, well. Not really. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, her 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 son and uh, and daughter-in-law can help some, but yeah, but not. I mean, not any outside than family help. Right. Yeah. They can't really they can't really help to move her physically that much. Yeah. So, and um, I've been having kind of a a long week, um, stomach-wise. So I've been. Seems like I've been up, like most most of the nights, and then trying to kind of sleep during the day. Mm. So and I was supposed to go see my mother tomorrow. My um, sister and her husband are are down here uh, for Mother's Day tomorrow, which. Uh, you know, we're all really happy about. You bet. It's because uh, she hasn't, mother hasn't seen them for quite a while. They live up in uh, like in Bakersfield, I think, but he has uh, he, he finds it so difficult to get off work because he's a, a cow doctor and works at a dairy, and they don't like to let it, let him be gone. So anyway. Uh, Is that on his business card, a cow doctor? 
I, I don't, you know, I don't even know if he has business cards, but, but yeah, uh, I think that's what it says. Yeah. A cow doctor. If that was, it, are there such things, Patricia, called a cow doctor? Well, I well, I, I maybe a cow specialist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't, it's usually farm animals. Does he really specialize in yeah, in well, bovines? It it's a big dairy, and I don't, I forget how many thousands of cows they have, but um, that's. Well, I guess that that sure makes you a cow specialist, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Don't cows have what two, two stomachs or three stomachs or something like that? Uh, I thought it was four, but I don't. I, that's from my. From my way back. Way back thing. So if they, yeah, if my they, way back machine says four as so, well. So if they have stomach problem, he's busy. So you got to figure out which one it might be. Well, he's going from one no. to the other. So. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. One to the other, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, kind of flopping back and forth. They don't have to worry about it coming up or going out. They just pass it. No, I'm only kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I know in the digestion process it goes from one to the other to the other to the other. Um, but I, uh, Kurt, I had a question, and I want to ask before it jumps out of my brain. What kind of a cast or brace does Kathy have on her leg? Um, actually, um, she doesn't because she has she has pins in it. They put pins in it. Okay. She was actually lucky because if she had, if she. Had, in one sense, she was lucky because if she had broken it higher, they would have had to have put, you know, uh, a new hip in, you know? One of yeah, the, yeah, or plates and screws. Pins, um, all right, well, okay. So, all right, so with the physical therapy that she's been having um, and knowing that they used pins instead of, you know, having her in a half-body cast or something like that, um, how is she doing on mobility. I know last week you said she had taken 20 steps in physical therapy. How is she doing now? Well, she said um, that yesterday or the day before that she had walked about 30 feet, and so so she's she's doing better. Uh huh. The only thing is they're not having her practice on stairs or or whatever, which is a bit yeah. a bit concerning, and um, so. Well, how is she getting home, Kurt? Well, I don't know because um, we're going to have to talk to um, I'm going to have to talk to the people I know and find out because um, she, um, you know, when she goes to the doctor from the rehab place, they take her in, they take her in an ambulance. Right. But when she comes home. Um, I don't know. I think that we're just going to put her in a regular, you know, a regular uh, car. I mean, a, a van, yeah. A van, yeah. Um, now, if she if she comes home by ambulance, they are capable of getting her upstairs. Um, that's only if you get the ambulance and you have to, you have to actually have to, I believe, pay the paramedics to. to um, because she talked to the driver when she went to her last doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. And basically what the driver did was the driver just dropped her off at the at St. Jude. And, and, there, and there weren't any paramedics, so 
she had to get help once she got there to get in the hospital, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I have to tell you, with the physical, how many flights of stairs? Are we talking two, two flights of talking, stairs? We're talking a total of like 10 steps. There's like six and then a little break and then four. Okay. All right. So with the physical therapy that she has had, she's accustomed to putting extra weight on the good You know, I think she's going to have to ask, is, is going to have to get a new one because I don't think we can find the one that I think we, that I think she had from a long time ago. Yeah. I wonder if you had two people and you put in a wheelchair, one behind and one in front, could that be the way to go? I don't know. Well, and, you, you know, you need at least two people to do that. You're right. Yeah. Um, a walker is of no value on stairs. Crutches you can use going up and down stairs if she's had crutch walking training, but no, you don't no, do has. that without, yeah. Well, anyway, so like I said, I'd like you to, We'd, uh, we would like some extra prayer about you that, bet. and um, I would like, I need your prayers because I'm having some some eye trouble and my, of course, my stomach problems, which continue as always, and, you know. Oh, my gosh, you've really, yeah. you've um, really taken your share of lumps this yeah, month, well, haven't you? the way it goes. Um Oh, and I heard your, I, that was a, a, a great interview with, um, what was his name? Claire. Claire, Claire Schultz. Yeah, a great interview about, um, about Gildersleeve and, um. He, and, he, he did his research, didn't he, Patricia? Oh, I mean, yeah, can you did. imagine? I know. Figuring he, out he, 500 different versions of either, uh, famous, uh, novel quotes or poems or the scripture. I mean, who else would have been able to go through the uh, scripts and then go back and try to double check all that? That's that's pretty I, amazing. I know, and not only that, and of course he said he, you know, had the the craft library up there. Um, but as I said, at the end of each entry, uh, uh, an episode entry, he does who's there, what the name of it is, is a summary of it. And then on the bottom, for example, on April 28, 1948, the kitchenware salesman. I don't remember that one. Kitchenware salesman. I'll have to pull that one out. Uh, he's got a, a comment at the bottom. Gildersleeve sings by the light of the silvery moon. Gildersleeve's retort to Leroy, what a character line is not original or witty, but it's true. Well, so are you. The comparison to Ingrid Bergman, considered a high compliment at this time, would not have been considered for scripts just two years later when she was regarded as a persona, persona non grata. So, I mean, each episode has something at least, you know, more or less, sometimes it's two or three paragraphs. I mean, you really put an awful lot of work into this. What I'm wondering, um, was he able to go through the script and come up with the... Uh actors' names, you know, we know the major actors in the show, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, uh, actors who did bit parts who didn't get credited. That's exactly, and you and I have talked about that on occasion. Yeah. Um, and I, we probably could have asked him when he was going through 
the archives with all of the scripts, including the ones that didn't have transcriptions, I would would all of the names appear on scripts? Some 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 did. Yeah, Jack Benny, Jack Benny show did some script did some did not. You th would think in some ways they'd have to because you know. Well, the Wall Ranger never did. Mm. Um, it, George Double Turned was an interesting character that way. Um, but the Jack Benny show did, even though a lot of times he didn't get cash credits. So, hmm. for example, today the Spur fan, meaning I know Gordon McMillan did. Uh, several great girls, but she never got on any on-air credit for it. So, you know, different things like that would have been interesting to pop yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, let me oh, see. Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. um, Walden, you, uh, last night you played the Anne Frank. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, Thursday, right. Or Thursday, yeah. The, um, they did about at least, like, four weeks a year. In a lot of the years, where eternal uh, the eternal light was done on the west coast. I never knew that. That's why it threw me, it threw me for a loop uh, when Ann Whitfield mentioned that she did the show. I always thought it was strictly a New York right. show. Right. Well, they did a lot of years. They did have at least four weeks, maybe six weeks of uh, of Hollywood uh, shows. And if anybody missed, might missed it. Uh, we had Ann Whitfield, we, we recorded that, played it this way, and she remembered doing the first time that they did the version of Anne Frank, the book. And she played the role of Anne Frank, and Jeff Chandler was the dad at it. And I, I, I have never read the book. I've read the follow-up, um, where the people who helped hide them wrote some books in the 80s. I've read those. And... And, you know, John and Larry recalled that it was, was required reading for them in high school. Yeah, I read it years ago. I don't even know if it was, I don't think, I don't know if it was required, but I read it years ago. But, um, yeah, I, I would have to go back and read it again. Um, it was a powerful show. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of those Eternal Light shows were really, uh, powerful shows. It makes you wonder, that series ran into 1984. I, I don't ever remember hearing it anywhere, so I want eventually if it just wound up, or say, uh, in New York, or... Uh, I remember hearing it up until maybe the, like, 65, 68, because KFI used to have it on at, like, Seems to me they had it on at, at, at one time, like at 9:30 at night or something. Mm. And um, it was sponsored by the Jewish Seminary or uh, right. theology series. Right. And really well, and, and a whole bunch of them just got put out here within the last. Oh, I don't know. What do you think, Kurt? Ten years or so? Eventually, a whole batch of well, them. Well, I think I think like in the last three or four years. It, it's just amazing. And there was a book. Um, written about the series here not too long ago, and it's a quality series. Oh, it, it is very definitely a quality series. Yeah. Um, definitely a quality series. Absolutely. Um, Patricia, do we have a a uh, a theme for tonight? Yes, we do. We do. 
That was a yes no question. See, I'm being really a brat tonight. Did that next did that did that that go up there with yeah but? That goes with yeah but. If okay. you ask me a yes no question, I will answer yes or no. Oh. Yes, we have a theme. That's like that's like when people used to call me uh, if they call me to call me at work and and they'd say, "Is Kurt there?" And one of the em employees would say, "Yes." <laughs> That's exactly right. See? You want to talk to him? That's right. So your question was? Okay, so what, so what is the theme? There we go. Now, we have a theme for tonight. May, the month of May, among other things, is Eat What You Want Month. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I erased that. It's May no, 11th. No. May, May 11th is Eat What You Want Day. So we've only got one day to do this. Mine is all over. You folks still have some out there. So if you could eat anything you want for, I mean, anything, regardless of restrictions, just anything at all, what would it be? Prime rib. Really? Well, yeah, I love prime rib. You would be a prime rib person. Okay, I'm going to put that next to your name. I'll, I'll take votes tonight. Prime rib. All right, that's good. What would you have with it? Um, probably the, uh, you know, um, I don't know, because I'm really torn between, like, <clears throat> just regular old baked potato with everything, or or the, the garlic mashed potatoes are good. Like, they serve them out here at, uh, I think they serve them at Black Angus like that. Um, uh -huh. What's your favorite plate they go have, Pine Rib? You know, it used to be it used to be claim jumper uh-huh because claim jumper and you got you got the, the a really big steak for a very short time you could actually order from claim jumper uh prime rib at home and whoa then, and then they stopped serving it and it, and it was the same price as it would be if you went into the restaurant how interesting is that? Hmm. And so, and, and, and it was it was great. If anybody's never been to a claim, they serve the gigantic portions of everything for us. Yeah, they do. And, um, so, so if you come home with a puppy bag, you can have for two days. Huh? About a week. If, if you come home with a puppy bag, you've got enough yeah, for yeah. two this, meals. This one come home for a week. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, it was great. And then they stopped doing the, um, they stopped doing the prime rib. So you prefer to what? Ha, what do you do to put on? Are you a a uh, horseradish horseradish guy? Okay, is it the uh, cream or the uh, other kind? Well, I don't know what you call the other horseradish. The, no, I don't either. I don't either. But it doesn't matter. As it doesn't as, matter, sir. As long as it's spicy. You put horseradish on prime rib. Oh yeah. yeah, and then I uh, checked my books. That's a federal offense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that. Oh, be still, my little heart. The poor cow is having a coronary well, here. Well, now, what else do you would use horseradish for if it wasn't for prime rib? Oh man, you put that on hot dogs and beans and and um, hot dogs, corned beef and cabbage. Hot dogs? I never even done now. I gotta tell you, I never even thought about that. Hot dogs? Hot oh, dogs, sure. Not. 
Beans? Well, not necessarily on a hot dog bun, but like when you have hot dogs and beans. Hot dogs? Oh, boy, good stuff. Hot dogs? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know why yeah. not. It'd wake you right up. Yeah, and and it and it has to be the kind that makes you think your nose died. Well, at least, yeah. you, at least you know that dog's going to have a bite. <laughs> it will have a bite. That is correct. So, okay, Kurt's vote is prime rib. And by the way, as long as you can have anything you want, you can have your baked potato with everything on it plus okay. your garlic mashed potatoes. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's yeah. Good. I mean, this is, we're a very liberal show when it comes to things like okay. this. Okay, are you going to have dessert, too, with this meal, Kurt? You know, I'd probably have to eat it later. Uh, yeah, well, you can take it home. Is it going probably, to the plane? I don't know. Probably just some just some vanilla ice cream, something simple. Okay. Something simple. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Prime rib. Good choice. Garlic potatoes. Excellent choice. Plain vanilla ice cream. Okay, I'll add it to the well, list. I mean, you really, you really just kind of want something, just kind of, you know, light and, and you know. Orange sherbet. Oh, I like that. But yeah, that's a, that's an idea. You know, that's that's nice and light. It's even lighter than ice cream, and it's got a nice cleansing the palate taste yeah, to it. How's that? That's true. That's, uh, that's true. That's, what? What? Um, I don't know. So, <laughs> I was just thinking, what else is so like a light, uh, refreshing um, dessert? That yeah. I call it sorbet, but I think it's um. Oh, sorbet. Sorbet, yeah. Sorbet, uh -huh. I guess that's, would be. That's fruity, icy type right, stuff. Right. Right. Um, I think those are the two top ones that that would be light and sweet enough for dessert, but light enough that it's not going to fill up your tummy. Well, would, or... would pudding be classified as a light dessert? Well, pudding. Or jello. Or like watermelon. Jello. Jello would be sure. Watermelon. That, that's interesting. Oh, watermelon. Oh, you're in my territory now. That's that's a really, I mean, and it's, you know, watermelon is really good for you. Okay, so, yeah. is it, okay. Now, maybe because I grew up in the Midwest, my family grew up in the Midwest, we eat it with salt. Oh, I know, eating, yeah. Oh, ick, boo. Other ways to eat watermelon besides sprinkling a little salt on it. Yeah, don't do anything to it. <laughs> you damage it. Oh, my God. You know what, Walden, I, I, I've met so many people who say, well, how come you don't sprinkle salt on it? Well, I didn't grow up that way. Uh -huh. And you grew up with salt, so it doesn't taste right. And, it it, and, it's, and it's so funny, okay, Patricia grew up with a family that salt everything. And I grew up, oh, and man. I, and I you grew know, up, and we used, we used and, to, well, never mind. And I, I, grew, we, and, and I grew up with a family who didn't use salt. And so here, I'm willing to put salt on watermelon sheet. Uh -huh. Nah, that's pretty easy. Yeah. So, are you a salt on watermelon person, Kurt? You know, uh, no, I don't. I've pr I've tried to pretty much cut down on on salt um, uh, lately. So. Okay, can you eat corn on the cob without putting the salt on it? I don't oh. like corn on the. Well, no, no, I don't like corn on the cob. Okay, Patricia. Well, I'm, I'm, I was talking um, just in general terms when you ate watermelon, like when you were growing up. I think. Did you I think did you use salt? I think maybe they salted it a little bit. 
I don't think they didn't. It wasn't really oh, heavy. Man. I think they did maybe some. Man, oh, man, I think it's illegal. Honest to goodness. You know, everybody comes up with so many illegal things on Saturday night. That's illegal. Well, this, well, this is a good... Kim Bragg could not understand that when she made grilled cheese sandwiches when I was down there that John Remy and I grew up using ketchup. She never. She said that must be a Midwestern thing. So she never grew up. I never heard of it. <laughs> well, I never did either, but I use Worcestershire sauce on grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, hold on just a second. I have another call. I'll be right. All right. And that's Kurt. We are standing by. We are. We are waking up now. With me, with this question, it's interesting. I. I'm. I. I guess I get into okay. mood. So. I'm gonna put in for pizza. I'm ready for. Uh, oh yeah, I'm the, in. I'm in the mood this week. I'm running. I'm running it down into the ground now. I've been eating cucumber salad every single night. You almost done. One night I ate a whole cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good for you. I know, but I, and and last month it was tomatoes. So at least I'm into the healthful end of this. So, but I mean, there are just so many cucumbers you can eat. Well, you wait know? a minute. If you took the cucumber and put it in vinegar, wouldn't it become a pickle? Well, well no, not not unless you boiled it. Boiled the vinegar? You have to soak it and put spices in and then boil it and stuff like that there. No. This is salad dressing type vinegar. And, oh, my goodness, it is so good. It is so good. Um, well, Kurt, are you in the market for a question? Yes, I am. All right. The Bickersons. Do you know any um, yeah. anything about the Bickersons? Huh? Mrs. Bickerson's shifty brother was played by whom? And I, it's multiple choice if you want multiple choice. Uh, yeah, I'll need multiple choice. Okay. Regis Toomey, Danny Thomas, Frederick March, or William Conrad. Can I give another choice? I think it's, no. I think it's Danny Thomas. It is Danny Thomas. What I, choice were you going to I give? I was going to add Amos Jacobs to the list. Oh, you know, it, I'm going to have a hard time controlling you tonight. <laughs> I can tell. We, we need a leash for Walden, a Saturday night leash for Walden. Okay. So she let can't me, win. She, she can't win when I'm poop, and she can't win when I'm awake. And so, you know. Uh, well, I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know either. You're what can gonna, I do with you can't. You have to train me better, Patricia. I have to find my CD list. Gee willikers. Um, and then, and then, and the then. Way, I was thinking that you might want to hold off on the, I don't know if you started doing the Fibber McGee stuff, but I thought you might want to wait until they come up with, with what they're doing with Fibber McGee as far as as other copies that, you know, Walden's got and and before you wor you know, before you work on your files because it may be it may be made academic by what they find. Well eventually Would uh, you run that by me again? Well he's I wouldn't do the Fibber McGee and Molly yet because you remember because you were going to do some comparing for me and somebody else? Oh, 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 okay, I got it. I wouldn't, I, I think I would wait on it because, um, like I said, if they find more material or, you know, it, um, or whatever, if if the stuff that they have is in is in really better quality, then you'd actually be doing it twice, maybe once, 
now yeah. two months later. Yeah. But Patricia loved the show, so I think she would you know, do it over and over and over and over. Well, it's going to take some time to do that, oh, sure. and I've got uh, yeah, I've got CDs be... coming in from Walden all over the place. You I do? thought it was really, I thought it was really sweet that you said you've got boxes. Ha ha ha. You've got boxes. I've got boxes. I just brought up another one last night. Uh, How um, many boxes do you have in the, in the living room there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It looks like ten. So now and two in the be, trunk. You're going to be sleeping out on the balcony now. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm making towers. These are not sitting on the floor. They are towers of boxes. So we're going to do well. So anyway, it's going to take a little bit of time for me to do that. And the to-do is not at the top of the list right now. So I'm going to um, I'm, I'm going to go through what Walden has sent me because he's pretty uppity-uppity on stuff like this. So I'm sure he's got things in my boxes that I don't have. So, well, okay, also Zither, be, six it, and seven. It also will be an upgrading sound in a lot of case. Yeah. For Patricia. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you've got Fibber, Fibber Volume 6 and 7. Right. Um, I, I don't really know what else I need yet. I think... Um, do you have great, the Great Gildersleeve? Yeah, I do. I do have a lot of it. Okay. All right. You know, when I was listening to that show tonight, Walden, there were a couple of places I really laughed out loud. And I I thought as we were talking with Mr. Schultz, I haven't listened to a Gildersleeve in so long. So I have my work cut out for me now. Well, I remember when you first said when you first started to have the, uh, the, your love for OTR, mm-hmm. it was Gildersleeve on the top of your list. Gildersleeve was one of the early then, ones. Yeah. Then you then you increase your uh, your um, your ears. And, I broadened my ears. And, yeah. And then you put Gildersleeve down a tad. So mm-hmm. it might be time to reevaluate Throckmorton P and the families just, eventually. Just go revisit a family friend. I can do that. Kurt, I have some really fabulous sampler CDs from Ron in Hawaii. Uh huh. And I put together some on my own. I can put some of these on a DVD for you. Oh, Would you like some samplers? Sure, that'd be great. All right, and they're fun. They are just, I mean, some of the things I'm not interested in listening to um, and a couple of shows I have listened to along the way, but the overwhelming majority are like, oh, goody, it's like you, an Easter basket, you know? You, you mean you're not listening to all the baseball broadcasts and the Those boxing Those are the ones hype? that I said, some of them I'm not interested in. <laughs> Well, I've actually listened to them. Like, there's a Dizzy Dean and a Don Drysdale on on some of them, and I listen to them. So, I don't have to listen to them a second time. Please tell me I don't have no, to do that. But you know, I still actually find it somewhat difficult to listen to Gildersleeve because, because, like I said, I mean, because like Mr. Schultz was talking about, sometimes he's just so obnoxious that it it really kind of grates, you know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But on the other and hand, it, on the other hand, you were talking about the um, you were talking about the the the, the maid uh, who was more of a mother type figure. Uh huh. And her Easter stuff and that kind of stuff was just wonderful. I mean, it was really great. 
It was, you are so right. You know, the, the Willard Waterman um, series, uh, the, the shows that ran with Willard Waterman in the role, he was a much kinder, gentler person than Hal Perry. And I think that's why I like him so much better in that role. He isn't as abrasive as Hal Perry was. Hal Perry was really hard to listen to sometimes. Just wanted to smack him upside the head with a two-by-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, though. I think I think you think about it, um, as you point out, how played it over the top in a lot of part, and mm-hmm. Wilder underplayed a lot of it. So Yeah, it, it was, he, he was, uh, yes, um, and vaudeville was the best that I could come up with with Hal Perry, that he brought a vaudevillian style to the radio show that really offends my ears sometimes. It's just hard for me. I, well, I shouldn't say offends my but, ears. It's hard for me to listen to. But maybe he did that because that's where he got discovered with that style. And if you think about Fibber in the 30s had that strong vaudevillian taste to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm surely not criticizing no. the style. It's just hard for me to listen to. I, yeah, it, it's just that it's it's just that it it verges on the not funny is is mm-hmm. the problem well, that, with it. I think that's why a lot of people can't stand Eddie Cantor because he never got out of Vaudevillian style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna play a character who's got kids and and all this other kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and he's doing and he's in all these different stunts, then they better be funny. And if yes. if you're so obnoxious that the that 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 overwhelms the 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 kindness mm-hmm. of the show, yeah, and, yeah. and it's people that you don't like, except for the except for the maid, let's say, or <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> Judge Hooker. Well, it's interesting though. It's had some strong, touchy feely part. I'm thinking of when they found the baby in the back seat of the car. That and I thought that was one of the dumbest series that they ever thought up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it was. It, it really was. Yeah, uh, you but know. you're right. It was more. It was more touchy-feely. But I mean, was that was that Hal Perry or yeah, Willard Waterman? That, that was Hal Perry. That was still Hal Perry. Okay. So, well, I I agree with you, Kurt. That if you're going to have somebody who's bombastic and abrasive, it better be in a in a way that's a good example for kids. If that's why he's on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's got I, the show because he's taking care of and raising two kids. But so. yeah, if you look at that show, they started to tone down the character. Think of think of listening to Judge Hooker in the early days. Oh my goodness, yes, they then toned they, down the judge. Then they toned yes. down the judge. You know, they, they just, toned down the judge. Yeah, yeah. yeah he became he, he was an adversary, and he became a friend. Mm-hmm. They they turned an adversarial relationship right. into a, a comfortable. Friendship. Um, well, I, I, anyway, I, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, if if uh, if you want to put some, I, I love sampler CDs because you never know. Oh, cool! I'm going to throw a trivia question out to the to the family here, mm-hmm. and for the future, what what show did Gildersleeve went head to head and knock off? In term and and put it off oh, the air. Oh, okay. I'll put that out there. Yeah. Yeah, I... I remember you're, you're uh-huh. talking about that. Yeah. So. All right, Sampler, I'm going to put it on a DVD so you have um, a really large selection to choose from. 
and I've got enough to do more than one, so I'll keep track of okay. which which ones I copy onto this, and if you'd like another one, I won't duplicate them that way. Okay, that's, that'd be great. All right. Well, well you have yourself a wonderful night, and yeah, honest to goodness, you're in our sure. thoughts, Kurt. I know you've got a hard week coming up. Yeah, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. and like I, I know. I know. You I'm, always deal with it. I'm just sorry that you have to. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, and you guys keep up the good work. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you later. You bet. Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. 714 This is your Saturday family. Patricia and I, we, we, uh, we go visit everybody's house. That's right. Long, long, That's right. We make the rounds. We, we don't even have to leave the chair. Yep. And so just make sure you have cookies and milk. Cause Patricia oh, like, yeah. Patricia oh, likes, I like cookies and milk. Patricia, Who's there? Patricia likes to duck. No, there. <laughs> That's the question. What kind of cookies would you like? Oh, all right, Patricia. We're, um, at, Gary, we're at Gary's house. So what kind of cookie? Can we're at Gary's house. Is it? Is it? Uh, do I get to choose because it's eat what you want day? So, I mean, it's not like something, I can have something that I'm not supposed to have, right? Right. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. And I'm in the cookie department, just cookies right now, right? Well, well, well mm-hmm. we're visiting Gary's house, so I We're don't... visiting Gary's house, and he has offered me some cookies, and I get to pick which cookies. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if he'll have uh, prime rib available, so that... that no, so... well, well we're, we're, I'm only being offered prime, cookies. Prime yeah. rib cookies. <laughs> if you want prime rib cookies, I can make them. Oh, oh no, thank you. Um, <laughs> the first one that came into my head was Oreos, but then I have a whole bunch more. Now, I'll st- for for dunking, I'll take them. Oreos. That's just going and buying them. Now, now, how do you ask? What's the proper way to dunk an Oreo, Patricia? Just well, um. Okay, I think is I, there a proper way? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. See, I I'm I I have to admit to my uncouthood now. <laughs> All right, Gary. Because you hold you hold the cookie between your thumb and forefinger, and you put the cookie into the milk under the milk so that the bubbles come up. Yeah. And when the bubbles stop coming up, then the cookie is saturated with milk, and then you can eat it. Yes. Now I would do it differently. I'm, I probably would dunk it. Then I would separate them. That way I can get the frostings out first. Ah, uh, see? Now, if I were going to do that, I would separate them first and eat the frosting and then dunk then the cookies. Dunk. But I don't cheat. The whole <laughs> thing is together. I don't, don't cheat. Separate nope. Them. Nope. No peeling apart and licking out the centers. Nope, don't nope, you nope. you got to eat the whole it, thing together. Saturate it and then eat it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, saturate. You see, you do understand. You're a cookie Wait a minute, eater. wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You lick the frosting? I, I, I scrape the frosting, y'all. Well, a... yeah, you know. Um, people people who are trying to be classy say lick. I lick the frosting. <laughs> no, you scrape it across your teeth and uh-huh. you smack your lips. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. yeah. See? It's the only way to do it. Eat the cookie and the icing together. Yes. Uh, all at the same time, the whole thing. Yes. All right, Gary, this is Eat What You Want Day. You can have anything you want. What would you like? I'm a primary person myself. You too? Wow. Yeah. Good, my 
Oh, my. Okay, prime rib it is. Walden is a prime rib kid, too. Uh-huh. Well, All guess, right, prime rib. So what, what would you have? Guess, hmm? what, guess what we are having for uh, Mother's Day. What? Uh, New York State's mom cooking them outside. Your, it's Mother's Day and your mom is cooking? Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with that this picture, cool. Walden. Well, she's an awesome mother wife. Is supposed, mother is supposed to be sitting with her feet up and... Mm-hmm. In the easy chair uh-huh. and watching whatever she wants to watch. Well, my mom likes to read. It, it's, it's some oh. kind of stupid old. I mean, I mean. Yeah. If it's a lovely love story. Yeah. That's what you sit and you watch with her. So how did you guys get away with having your mom cook the steak? See, we turned it down. She. We. She was take, smart. I got it. All she, right. <laughs> she turned it down by not going out. And uh-huh. and she wanted some friends over that have lost their mom, so she is, okay. you know, so well, that's but sweet. She, she volunteered the cook. And nobody said, "Oh, gee, mom, well, that's really sweet, I, but we'll I, do it. It's I, Mother's Day." I think I I would assume the men in the family will step up to the plate. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, gee, Willikers. Yeah, we're having a gang over to celebrate Mother's Day. Mom, would you throw an extra steak on, please? This doesn't work, Walden. Are you there? Yes, I'm, I... It doesn't work. Well, there are probably other mothers cooking on Mother's Day. I'm sure there are, but we're talking about yours. That's true. I want to talk to your mom now. She sounds a sweet probably. <laughs> All right. All right. I will hold my tongue. All right, Gary. Now, on the um, prime, prime rib, do, what, do, we, do we go with horseradish or olive juice? Oh, God, no. Uh-oh. It's just prime just, rib. <laughs> Thank you. Prime a little salt, rib. maybe a little pepper. Yes. Thank you. I'm coming to, like, I'm, you stay home, Walden. I'm going to Gary's maybe house. It, Maybe a little, we share some fire sauce, but... Okay, oh, all right, I can live what? with that. What? But... I, I can live but with that. Don't you, don't you have any horseradish sauce in the house? If Patricia and I are coming... Are, you use a horseradish sauce for everything else, but... Oh, for I'm, heaven's sakes, I'll pack a bottle in my suitcase, Walden. <laughs> you know, a little, um, or uh, dip, dip, dip it in a little au jus. Uh-huh. Oh, you is very nice. Okay, so what are we having on the side? Oh, asparagus. Oh, yum. And this I, is anything you want, Day. Anything. Asparagus. And you don't even, your mother doesn't even have to, she can't make you eat vegetables if you don't want to eat well, vegetables you know, on anything you want to eat, Day. Palm asparagus is... It fills you up while you're not having another piece of meat. I don't know. I mean, asparagus fill you up? Yeah. I'll take it. I like asparagus. Okay. So it's All right. It's but you can have anything. It doesn't even have to be a whole dinner. You can have anything you want. And I think we've gone through this with Gary before. He's got, he can pack it away. I can, but I'm not allowed to anymore. Well, see, but this is eat anything I'm you want, a, Jay. I'm on a... Uh, a 1,500-calorie diet. Okay, well, then this day was really made for you. So well, that, that, playing... that means 1,500 uh, calories per meal, right? 
uh, no, all day. Well, depends depends on um, I got to lose how you separate your food. <laughs> if you do it all at once, I guess so. Yeah. All right. Okay. I well, want, you're a prime rib kid. You can do that. What I want for dessert is red velvet birthday cake. Oh, you talked about that. We found red devil cake too, didn't we, Walden? Mm-hmm. Red velvet. Now, red velvet. I don't, you we know, found red velvet. You know what, though, guys? I don't remember red velvet being around 10 years ago. It seemed like that's sort of a recent phenomenon. Yeah, no, it's been around for years and years. I would bet it's, I I would bet it's World War II stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of it until within the last few years, red velvet. All right, then. Origin. That's because we've only had Gary you know for a while. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. You know why I want red velvet birthday cake? Uh, yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday to you. So did you have any? I had to get that in there someplace. Somewhere. I don't. <laughs> Who, whose birthday? Gary was yesterday. <gasps> oh, happy birthday. Yeah. So, I, I, was try, you, I meant to say something about it last Saturday. I know. But. So we Patricia put that. So it it was the tenth. May tenth. Yes. All right. I always get forgotten oh. because it's because uh, it's always right here at Mother's Day. And so what now? What happens if Mother's Day and your birthday are the same day? Who oh. who who wins out? Oh, mom. Okay. Mom always wins. Mom wins. Okay. Oh yeah. All right, well, look at this. Okay, the history. James, yeah. we're, we're talking about red velvet cake. Yeah. James Beard, who was one of the, you know, he said, like, he, he was the male side of the Julia Child type thing. Um, 1972 reference in American Cookery describes three red velvet cakes varying in amounts of shortening butter da 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 so 1972 he referred to it so, let's see when foods were rationed during world war ii bakers used boiled ah okay so it is world war ii boiled beetroots juices to enhance the color of their cakes boiled beet or beets as they are known in america found in some red velvet cake recipes. That's where the red coloring came uh, are, from. Are we talking about the, um, the little vegetables? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the beets. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And they're, they're bright red. Uh, they're almost purple red. I know. I know what they look like. I was never a fan of that. Yeah, well, I like them. They've got a very earthy taste to them. I, I, I like them a lot. That's about that meal I'm wanting. So that's... Um, asparagus. Good thing Patricia's going to have an extra fork. She'll pick up the the beets and the and the vegetables off the plate. But this is really good. The cake in the original recipe. Hold that thought because I wasn't listening. I was reading. You're going to do something. I heard Patricia in there, so I want you to tell me in a minute what you just made me do. The cake and the and its original recipe, however, are well known in the United States from New York City's favorite Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Oh. However, it is widely considered a southern recipe. Traditionally, the cake is iced with a French-style butter roux icing, whatever that is. What is it? butter roux? R O U X. French style. French yeah. style. It, it is. It's it, a it butter. Is. It's like a butter uh, frosting. Butter, so, uh, so like powdered sugar and a lot of butter uh-huh. with a little bit of vanilla. Oh, yum! Oh, 
Yes. Which is very light and fluffy. Okay, so it has to be whipped. Cream cheese frosting, that's good too. All right, so it does have its origin so it, so it in can't be World heavy, War II. It can't be heavy and frosty and heavy and flaky? Well, not the roux type stuff. Mm. The butter roux icing, which I is very spell, light and fluffy. So I it, spell roux, R-U-E? R-O-U-X. Ah. Oh, that's a different one, yeah. Yeah, I butter said, roux. If you wanted to know okay, what, he can have that. If, hmm? you know, if you wanted to know what I was saying, I thought you would have a second fork. That way you pick up the beets and the vegetables off my plate. Oh, so I'd be happy to. I know. Oh, I really like beets. I know. Okay. Which is nice because I'll put it on the list. That'll probably be my, <laughs> my, <laughs> my next monthly run. I haven't had beets in a very long time. I'm glad we're talking about it. Hmm. This is good. Okay. All right. So prime rib for Gary. Happy birthday. And he wants a red velvet birthday cake. What kind of frosting or icing do you put? Oh, that don't matter. Oh. Um, it's red velvet cake. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Please. All right. Probably well, I've got cream cheese hmm? frosting. Cream cheese. Ooh, that's good. Oh, oh, cream cheese now, and carrot cake. Carrot cake. <gasps> carrot carrot cake with cream cheese yeah. frosting. Yeah. Oh, oh, I will have the cream cheese frosting with a little bit of carrot cake, please. Oh, yum. Oh, yum. Now, we, Rich in New Jersey was listening last week when I gave out some, some uh, trivia questions. Yes. And he said I was torturous. <laughs> I was torturing people. But honest to goodness, Rich, before the end of the night, everybody called in and they had the answers to these things and they didn't even cheat. So, yes, it was just an awful, awful list of questions I gave. But you did notice that I gave questions according to people's likes and dislikes. So I hope I am forgiven and maybe he will call in and I will give him a question. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Rich, I hope you call in. Um... All right. Torturous. Let me see. Hmm? Torturous. That's a that's a interesting... Torturous. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I I was torturing people. I was torturing. I didn't people. know that was in your personality trait. Per, 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 I didn't think so either. But he's right. <laughs> I was torturing people. I'm very sorry. No, I'm not. I meant every bit of it. Okay. Who was Horace Hooker? This is a character oh. in a comedy. Who was Horace Hooker? Oh, I know that, and I can't take out the show. Were you listening to our interview tonight? Um, it's okay to say no. Yeah. We'll just hang up. Yes, yes, I was listening. That's a big clue, then. Um, um, He'll probably ask, what show were you guys talking about? Okay, no. That's good, Walton. <laughs> Horace. Horace Hooker. What show was he involved in? Um. Oh, he. Yeah, he was in Gildersleeve. Very good. Do you, do you remember? Pardon? I had to remember. Yeah. Do you remember anything about the character? 
who the character was. He was the judge. Very good. See, Rich, I hope you're listening. See, I'm not torture. I just get very patient, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and everybody sweats and sweats and sweats. (laughs) All right, what would you like? I want Gildersleeve. Perfect. You would like some Gildersleeve. Good for oh, you. Yeah. Let me yeah. get you. Um, well, how many do you have? I have a bunch. 500 some, yeah. Do I, I, I probably have 400. Okay. Well, that would be good. I mean. So I'll, I'll give you the first the first CD of a Gildersleeve? Yeah, I, no, and I, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I want to get the first CD. And okay. And be adding on to I don't want all of them right now. I mean, that's being greedy. <laughs> I wouldn't give them to you all now because I, I have them on separate CDs. When I've got a storage of shows on a DVD, it's relatively easy to transfer them all over, but when it's individual CDs, you know, I have to put them in, load them, take them out, put them in, load them, take them out. So this time I'm afraid it's volume one instead of the whole gang. And volume one, by the way, has Hal Perry. So you'll, as you work through the series, you'll be able to hear the difference between Hal Perry and Willard Waterman that we were talking about tonight. So my question to the audience, what the first show, who would have sponsored the first broadcast of The Great Goers Wave? Well then, can you read lips? I know, I know, I know. I don't know. Yes, you what do. Awful, you ask awful questions. Yes, you do. You think and Rich thought I was I was the torturous yes, one. Yes, you do. Torturing, not torturous. Boo boo, you know the answer to that. It wasn't Kraft. No. It wasn't. No. Oh, it was Johnson's last. Very good. Of course it would have been because he moved over from Fibber McGee and Molly. Very good. Oh, Patricia used her brain. This is good. So, Well, okay, Gary, we'll have a prime rib ready for you. Add Gildersleeve to your envelope and um, order up red a three-layer red, red velvet cake for you for your birthday. Okay. Excellent. We'll, we'll do good. Thanks for Excellent. calling. That'll be in the mail Monday. Yeah, your your um your cake will be in the mail Monday. Yeah, yeah. So email it. It'll be a compact cake. Yeah, I can email your cake. Okay, that's fine. I've got a I've got a three D printer. Okay. <laughs> you have a great night. Thanks for calling, Gary. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye-bye. bye bye. All right. Seven one four. Five four five two oh seven one. Matt called during the interview. Ralph, so you guys go ahead and call in. And anybody else? We are here. Ah, uh, uh. we are here. Bulldog Drummond, remind me. Bulldog Drummond. Hello okay. There. I'm. You're supposed to remind Patricia Bulldog Drummond call. Uh, I'm back. Hello. Hi. 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 How are you? How are you feeling? It's so good to talk to you. How are you doing? Well, you know, this afternoon I had a, a big turnaround. I uh, totally spoke good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, last week you said you were feeling good. Yeah, I just wasn't myself. But uh, I don't know, this afternoon, this evening, uh, just feeling great. 
Oh, we, it's because we're here. Yeah, well, that probably has something to do with it. So Ralph, oh, it has, Ralph has everything, everything to do with it. Yeah. Everything. Everything to uh, do with it. I'm waiting for somebody to say, oh, yeah. On two. One. Two. <laughs> One, two. Oh, Everybody yeah. say that. So what's what's been happening? I'm I'm so glad you're feeling okay tonight. What's been going on? Well, not too much. I've, I've kind of been hanging around the house for the last couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to get out of here. You are not a stay-at-home person. You need to get out and spread your wings sometimes. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take Mama to breakfast tomorrow. Uh huh. Mother's uh -huh. Day. All right. And you are a breakfast eater, Ralph. Today is eat anything you want day. Anything. What do you well, want? You know, it's probably yeah. Uh... Okay, we're gonna start the process now of. Starting tape three. Bomb at dumplings. It's at your own risk. <laughs> oh God! You can't. You I mean you can't order them in the box, Patricia? But no, I, I think what I better do is find a recipe that works. Yeah, dumplings. yeah. Right now, uh, did you did your mom make dumplings? Oh God, yes. Do you know how she did it? Uh, no. It's, uh, Tony knows. But I don't know. <laughs> you just want to eat them. I don't, yeah, I don't belong in the kitchen except to eat. And, well, that works for me. Now, on Mother's Day, if you were, if, if you were going to have for Mother's Day dinner steaks cooked on the grill, who would cook them? On the grill, I probably would. Walden, are you listening? Well, what happens when Mama offers to do that? Is that allowed as a escape hat clause or not? Well, it's very sweet of her to offer, but the correct answer is, well, Mom, that's really nice, but this is your day, and we're going to do it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the proper way to celebrate Mother's Day... It's, yeah. a, it's to eat with mother. Yeah. What do you I, think? I, I don't know. I, I think I need to talk to your mom. I'll, I'll talk to her. Are, are you willing to come out and help help cook? I'm I'm willing to come out and make you guys cook. <laughs> I I are no dummy. I are no dummy. So how is your weather out there, Ralph? Oh, good. It's it's turned really warm today. Yeah, it's probably 88 here. Yeah, we're having a heat wave. Oh. Now, and, you know, Ralph, before you're the summer's over, we'll hit 106. Wowzers. Now, you're way up north of Walden. Mm -hmm. You are far, far north of Walden. Do you get oh. any of the desert winds and Santa Ana effect? No. We're about 120 miles from the Oregon border. We're really northern California. Northern California, but I, I know on the leeward, the wind, the leeward side. Yeah, that would be the leeward side of the mountains. 
you've got desert on the other side. Like in Washington and Oregon, they have desert on the other side of the mountain. Oh, yeah, but I yeah, never yeah. Asked, yeah, I never asked if they got desert winds. Walden, do you know? I don't, you never hear about it. Any desert stuff you hear, it's always coming from down here. Down down on the south end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what kind of critters have you had in your front yard and backyard lately? Oh, let's see. Oh, God, it's, it's the biggest squirrel I've ever seen. <laughs> you yeah, have a squirrel on bump, steroids. Bump. I love it. <laughs> what, what, what size was this thing? I'm sorry? How big? What, what would be a good comparison? Was it as big as a raccoon? Uh, no, no, uh, he's, he's probably, oh, I would compare him to a, a smaller cat. Wow, that's a big squirrel. It's, oh, he's something else. Whoa. Is he, he does, you know, does he... we also have ground squirrels. Oh, those are cute little things. Yeah, they, they look like little rats. Well, yeah, I guess. They, they kind of got fluffy tails, though. I, did, didn't you notice, Ralph? She went too warm of rats. I don't know why, but... Well, you know, there's something... It's really strange because a squirrel really is a fluffy rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But All they're the so cute. Snowy. They're so those, cute. Those ground so squirrels, cute. Yeah, they tunnel into your, uh, into your uh, hillsides and... They make a bloody mess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got a little bit of Brit here with us tonight. They make a bloody mess, my boy. Um, do you feed the big squirrel? No, we don't feed him in particular. He he seems to be uh, he seems to be very well fed. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> What he's doing, but he's, he's very well fed. Can the ground squirrels get into the chicken coop area? No, but you know, the, the, I don't know how it got in there, but the uh, day before yesterday, there was a dove trapped in there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it sneaked in there somehow, and I couldn't get out. Oh, wow. So I had to open the gate and let it out, and it, it finally took off. Yeah. Well, then I stepped right on you. You were going to ask a question. I was going to ask, is it, is it proper or okay to give outdoor animals who hang around the house a name? I mean, eventually, I always did. Yeah, eventually with the big squirrel, would you give him a nickname if he sticks around the house for a week? Yeah. What's the squirrel's name, Ralph? I, I, I didn't name him. <laughs> you haven't named him, okay. Well, that's your homework. Oh, let's call him Nutty. <laughs> Nutty. Nutty. Boy, oh, I had cute names for my squirrels. What were they? Well, the little one that really loved his peanuts, he was Jeffrey. Jeffrey, okay. Yeah, and the little one that lost her tail uh -huh. in the winter frost, it was awful. I thought she was going to die, but her tail froze and it fell off. Really? And I called her... Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, gosh, my heart just broke. Every day I saw that poor little thing dragging her tail behind her. And then in the spring, she showed up without her tail, and she was fine. She, she came up short. 
<laughs> she <laughs> very good. Yeah, she was she was like a a rabbit squirrel with this little stump on it. So I called her Stumpy. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> I never did either. But oh my gosh, it was just heartbreaking. Her tail got wet and then it froze. Oh my. Yeah. Like she did fine the next spring. I I think it must have hurt though. And it just oh, broke my sure heart. It did, my you know, I know. And I put extra food out for her. So she she did well though. Stump. Oh, I, I meant to ask you, how are your how's your eagle? Oh, my eagle. The eagle cam, the camera, was hit by lightning. So it shut right. down before the before they flew forever. Um, but they were doing really well before the camera went down, so I guess they, they did okay. So they, they would be migrating by now. They're well into their migrating season. So they'll have the camera repaired in time for the return flight. The parents will come back to the same nest next year. Okay. Where did they migrate to? I don't know. I tried to find out, and there are migration destinations all over the place, from from Louisiana to Canada. Do they go to AAA to get a roadmap? Is that I don't know. They would have to get a flight plan, I guess. Have to stop at the FAA. What do I know? Yeah. What do I know? But. Anyway, they should be fine. They were fine the last time. I was really kind of concerned because the camera went down and we weren't able to see anything, but they did fine. Yeah, well, oh, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, you were concerned about the young one or something, the small oh, one. Oh, my gosh. You know, I did enough worrying for a, for a lifetime for a dozen babies. Yes, I really was worried because it looked like it had a hurt wing, but it was uh -huh. fine. Oh, it's fine. I'm, I just, oh, gosh, I was just, so, I was awake. I would wake up at night and go check the nest. <laughs> it was really? terrible. Oh, I know. Ralph, I'm, I'm, you know, the world is, is a better place because I wasn't a mother, you know. Well, it, uh, it gives you something to do. It, I think, right. That's it. I, I'll put is that, that on. Why, is that why females be, uh, have babies? Because they give them something to do? Is that, is that it what gives it is? Yeah, it gives mothers something to do. <laughs> oh, yes. Only a guy would say that. <laughs> Only a guy. Oh, Ralph, you are a piece of work. But anyway, thank you for asking about my eagle babies. I'm trusting that they did well. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I told you about yeah. the eagles we have here. They have a similar setup. They have a camera and everything. Oh, really? I didn't know that. We didn't talk about that. They're down. They're down in in Reading in, in a uh, in a park. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the names are I think it's Victory and and Liberty. And uh, they, they, they you could see them in their nest. Uh huh. But uh, the funny thing is. Uh, the nest was there for a long time, and the uh, people that run the park, they wanted to do some construction nearby. So they did everything they could do to discourage these eagles from coming back to the nest. Oh, we did talk about this one night. What was the outcome? Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, they covered it with plastic, and they, the eagles just hung around and hung around and finally, you know, the, the public got on them about it. 
So now the Eagles are, they want the Eagles now. Well, they did everything they could do to get rid of them. I'm I'm so glad the public got on them. It they're they're still protected. I don't. They might have been taken off the endangered species list, but they're on the protected species list at least. And it's a federal crime to mess around with eagles. Yeah, What's wrong yeah, with these yeah. People? Well, they're gorgeous. You know, Hello? we see them up here around the lake, and I don't know. Uh, I couldn't harm one. No. Oh my goodness, no. I mean, even if they were oh. ugly, you couldn't harm them. Now, ground squirrels, that's different. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, they're so cute. They are. They're well, like I don't want to tell you what I do, too. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Don't, don't tell me. You know, instead of thinking of them as rats with fluff, you can think of them as large chipmunks. Oh, chipmunks, chipmunks are cute. Are cute. I know. They're adorable. I, I had uh, I had one when I was a kid. And he was quite tame. Uh huh. I used to carry him around in my shirt pocket. Oh my! God, quite tame. He certainly was tame. Did you have a name for him? No, but we we also had a crow. Okay. My father brought this uh, crow home and had a broken wing. Oh. And, you know, it stayed around the house for a couple of years. And uh, you could pick him up, and my brother used to put cigarettes in his mouth. And oh, jeez. Uh, he was called Holy Crow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, I love that. That and is great. What happened? He just disappeared no more. Just disappeared. Was he able to fly? I I, I, never, I had never seen him fly up to that point, but uh, you know, he he might have got snuffed up by some other critter. Yeah, yeah, cat bait. Yeah, because he used to hop all over the place. Oh, I'm sorry he disappeared. Holy crow, that's good. Holy crow, Where did that yeah. Do you do you recognize that expression, Walden? Uh, it goes along with "holy cow" with uh, Pee Wee Reese or somebody like that. Yogi Berra. Um, holy cow. Yeah, holy cow was uh. Yogi Berra. No, 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 no Pee Wee no, no. Reese. No. Pee Wee Reese. No. Holy, holy cow. cow. Yeah. They should call it was um. They should call uh Carrie. Oh. Carrie. Um. No, it wasn't Harry Carrie. Harry Carrie Carrie used to use it all the time. Yeah, but it it started out with who who Yogi no Ralph help me here a baseball player who turned into a baseball announcer. Well, yeah, Daisy Dean and Pee Wee Reese both of them did that. Pee Wee Reese I thought was the one who would say "Holy cow!" Do you remember that Ralph at all? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Pee Wee Reese. I remember the, you remember Daisy Dean. No, but I know. I mean, I have some of his uh, some of his shows. He'd say he slid into base. He slid into base. <laughs> I always thought that was pretty funny. Holy cow! Let's see, Pee Wee Reese. Holy cow! Pee Wee Reese. Uh, you have to spell his name right before the stuff comes up. <laughs> 
Pee Wee Reese, holy cow, yeah. Pee Wee Reese, it was a holy uh, cow kid. Or he was one oh, of Silver Zuda was the one I was thinking uh, of. How big? How tall was Pee Wee? I mean, what's the definition of being Pee Wee? Under I don't know. Five six. Pee Wee Reese, holy cow. Phil Rizzuto. It was Phil Rizzuto who said holy cow. Oh, okay. Uh, Rizzuto, was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the one who turned. He said a lot of things. He... Yeah, he did. Really? He did. Good stuff? Well. Yeah, he, he had a lot of oh, okay. unique kind of things that, that I always liked. Uh, let's see. Pee Wee Reese, how tall was he? Hmm. Pee Wee Reese. He was born in 1918. And he was how tall? How tall? Doesn't say how tall. How tall? How tall? Height. Hmm. Height. Not there. Oh man, Pee Wee Reese. Height. See, I have to do homework again. Oh yeah, you know, Tony was a huge. Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Why she? Oh my goodness! When they moved, what happened? Oh, heartbreak. She um, she never rooted for the Dodgers again after they moved. <laughs> but, uh, oh, she knew everybody on the team, and she knew everything that they were doing. And uh, Pee Wee Reese and Gil Hodges and Roy Campanella. Yep. She she just loved them guys. So now you're out in California, and she still ignores them. Yeah, she's a Mets fan. That's funny. That's back in New York. Yeah. All right, I can. Well, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm. Uh, okay. Always, always have been, but. Uh, I'm not going to let the Dodgers know. Well, I just wonder. You know, you have so many people about disowning the Dodgers. Yeah. Did they ever disown the Giants? You never really hear about yes. the people who really disowned the Giants when they moved. Oh, it was a lot of heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. But I guess the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Bums, were more popular than the Giants. Is that right, Ralph? Uh, I would say, yeah, they were probably more popular. Yeah. But so, the old Giants fans that I knew, uh -huh. they were very, very strong. They, you couldn't even say anything about them. <laughs> These guys would get mad. Well, I guess the Brooklyn, the Dodger fans weren't exactly pussycats. No, no, but, uh, you know, talking about the popularity of the Giants, they, yeah. they had a very strong following. Yeah. Angry people. Pee Wee Reese was five foot ten. I don't think that's, that's a not peewee. A small, no, that's interesting. I would have thought maybe five six. Yeah. He was five foot ten. Maybe, I don't know where he picked it up, up the nickname, but uh, who knows? I'm trying to remember. Pee -wee what Reed. When he was a kid, he picked it up. You know. He must be. I try to remember what his real, his true first name is. I, I don't can't think of it off the moment. Oh. oh I wouldn't know it. Oh, let's see. The official Pee Wee Reese site on a. On again, Harold Henry Reese. And he was from, I think, Kentucky, somewhere in the south, right? Oh, let me see. 
Ah, okay. Pee-wee. This, this will help. He, it was a name he was given as a young marble shooter champion. Isn't there, uh, is there a marble named Pee-wee? No, I don't know of any. I know there's, there are Aggies and Cat's Eyes. Is there a Pee-wee? Mm, originally signed by the Boston Red Sox. Let's see. Uh-huh. A little colonel. Yeah, that was another nickname of his. He he really had a lot. Okay, well, home and biography. They they're not telling us very much here. <laughs> Did well, we have to find out where he was born? The, the marbles have different names. You had a shooter, right? Uh huh. Well, that was a shooter. A bigger a shooter one. was bigger. The bigger, right? Yeah, and then the cat's eyes were were clear glass with centers that looked like cat's eyes. Yeah, what were Aggies? Scary. Aggies. Aggies were like marbled. They they were different colors, like streaked different colors. Yeah, yeah, they they were. Uh... Like agate. Agate is a type of stone. Uh -huh. um, what other kinds were there? I remember puries. Puries, okay. You see Those right through them. Those were pure glass, okay. You know, what I, else? I, I never could shoot marbles. I was terrible at it. Huh. Well, don't own up to that. <laughs> Pee-wee Reese Biome. If you told me you were a master champion, I'd believe you. No, no, uh, not marbles. Huh. Not marbles. No. Uh, he, he was born in Ekron, Kentucky, and he died in Louisville. So he was a Kentucky kid all the way. All right. How about pool, Ralph? Were you a pool player when you were growing up? Yeah. Really? Were you really? You hung out in pool halls? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. Do you have a story about playing pool? Oh, well, I, I think the, um, the the best thing I ever did was uh, I, I played uh, billiards. And, you know, there's no pockets on a billiard table. Okay. Right. And I think there's only, if I remember correctly, there's only three balls. And, and you get points by how many cushions you would use in the shot, as I, as I recall. Oh, so the number of times you banked a ball before you hit your target would give you extra points? Yeah, I never I never really got good at that, but I was fairly good at pool. Okay. And uh, in later years, they had these uh, sort of reduced-sized uh, pool tables in, in the bars. Uh-huh. And I shot a lot of pool in those years. Did you bet? Oh, sure. <laughs> Did you ever win big? No. It was kind of a... It was kind of a token thing. You know, it was... When the machines were coin-operated... Okay. You wanted to play, you'd put your quarter on the edge of the table, and whoever won that game would play you next. Got it. Okay. Well, how All many right. people? Was, I'm I, trying to remember the rules. How many people can play pool at the same time? Is it just two, or would, would you allow more than one oh, person? I've seen four people.
people yeah. shooting, shooting, uh, shooting pool. In a game, yeah. I always preferred two people. Used to shoot uh, straight pool and then eight ball. They, they were the the two most popular games. So when you shoot regular pool, you have to clear the table in sequence. Like two people, I would have the solids and you would have the stripes. That's how that's how we used to play. And then I would have to do it if if I have the solids, I would have to take the numbers in proper sequence. And then yeah, that's if how I, we played. As a matter I, of fact, we didn't so much have it separated between the uh, stripes and the solids, but we used to play from the one ball right up on through. Ah, okay. And then the final drop would be the eight ball? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, you would do the eight ball all in, uh, in the sequence. Ah, okay. So when you play you know, the eight ball... The eight ball was interesting. Because uh, if you, by any chance, sunk the eight ball on the, when you broke the balls, uh -huh. you would automatically win the game. You would automatically win, not win. lose? Oh, I would have thought lose. No, no, not, not if you did it on the break. Ooh. Ooh, okay. All right, so now if you sank, if, if you were playing eight ball... That, yeah, yeah. If you were playing eight ball, you would clear the, the table of the the rest of the balls, and then the final one would be the eight so ball. That was and you'd the one to, you wanted to sink last, yeah. But that was the, the, and you have to call the pocket. Yes. Okay. So what happened um, if the eight ball goes in before the other ball? Then are you disqualified? If you, sink it, if you don't sink it on the break, uh -huh. and you don't sink it last, if you sink it anywhere in between, you lose. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay, I'll play with you. Oh, I, you know, I made my... I had an eight ball hanging around for years, and I finally put it on top of a of a cane that I, that I made. How cool is that? Do you still have it? Yeah. All right. Tell me. Tell me. and I were down by the river one day, and I found this great piece of wood. Uh huh. I said, "That'd make a that'd make a spectacular cane." So I, I, I came home and I said, "You know, I'm going to attach that eight ball." So I I drilled a hole in the eight ball, and I epoxied a, a screw into it. Mm -hmm. And I screwed it into the top of the uh, the cane. And it's pretty nice. It makes a good weapon too. I'll bet it would. Boy, those. Uh, does, what is what is the eight ball made out of? Oh, uh, I, I I think they're plastic now. But years ago, I understand the balls were ivory. That's what I thought too. That's wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty that, cool stuff. That became, how? Uh, how? That's how and, I'm sorry. Uh, right. How and why? Do you have an eight ball? How did I come up with it? How did I, yeah, how I did you wind don't up? know where I got it. But it, it hung around in my uh, my Quonset hut 
And I think I had it in San Jose before I moved up here. And it came with you? Yeah, I, I just don't know where I got it. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't thinking good one night and I put it in the wrong pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That was, that was a good one. That, that was a good one. Okay, well, I have questions. Are you in the market for a question? I, I'm always in the market for your questions. You are so good. All right. There was a radio and TV comedian who was born, Nathan Birnbaum. Who was he? What name do we know him by? I don't know. I want, I want to say Eddie Cantor. Nope, not Eddie Cantor. Birnbaum. Birnbaum. Nathan Birnbaum. Was he the son of Mrs. Birnbaum, Patricia? Yes, he was. Okay. What and name do we know him by? Birnbaum, yeah. Right. Uh, no, I don't know who that is. Burn. And I, 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 I would like to reassure you, but he's not a cousin of Beetlebaum. He's not a, a son of Beetlebaum. Okay, let me see. We're moving right along here. Um, Lucille Ball was I Love Lucy. She had a radio show. What was the radio show? Oh, she was married to a different guy. It was... Uh, The name had a, her last name had a sort of a Spanish ring ring to it. Very good. Yes, it did. Do you remember the name of the show? Uh, Gosh, you're good. You're on. You're circling the wagon train here. Uh, the name of the show. No, I, I know which one you mean. But I, I don't I don't remember the name. You are circling the wagon train. You were really close. Okay, let me let me see what else we got here. Alright, hold on. I, I screwed up my paper here. Okay. All right, which old-time radio show was an anthology of true stories about the Old West, and it was hosted by our future president, Ronald Reagan? Oh, that's Valley Days. Very good. That was a hard question, Ralph. Very good. Oh, the one before it was hard. Because I didn't know the answer. That's right. The, the, you, the easy ones are the ones you know the answer to. Rich, are you listening? This is how smart our people are. I wasn't really mean. Yes, I was. I was so brutal last week. I went through question after question that were just terrible. Just terrible. Okay. Now, let me see. I think, I think, hold on. I think we are pretty much. Um, yeah, I am down to the end. We've got Broadway is my beat. I still have to add to your envelope. Plus the first CD of Gunsmoke. I think I've got that one in there already. What else would you like? Well, you know, I, I have one, one Gilders, please. Right. I heard you saying that you, you had more than uh, several, yeah, several I, of them. I have quite a few. Yeah, I'd like another Gilders, please. All right, Gildersleeve. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You got it. 
All right. You've got it. All right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling better tonight, and I'm really sorry you had a difficult week. Yeah, well, I think the anesthesia had me knocked down. Oh, my gosh. It really does. It just knocks you on your keister, and it doesn't get better until your body says it will. Yeah, that's right. It just was a matter of time. Yeah. It lasts. <laughs> well, I, I, right. hope we had, I hope we had something to do with your feeling better. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. Well, you thank you bunches and say happy Mother's Day to Tony for us, please. I sure will. You you folks have a good weekend. We will. Great. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Do you remember last week? That was, we a, great, touched... that was a great name of a song. Do you remember? Yeah, go ahead. Last week. Is last week in the title? No. No. Okay. No. Last week, we talked about Bulldog Drummond. I said it was so awful, I needed to put it in my awful show folder. Yes. Do you know, this week, I came across a Bulldog Drummond movie poster. Uh, so, do you buy it? No, I didn't buy it, but, oh. let me see, poster, Bulldog Drummond... With buyer's premium and just everything, packing, shipping, the whole nine yards, it sold for $12. Huh. It, was, it was from 1948, and what caught my attention was that Tim, or Tom Conway starred as Bulldog Drummond. That's right. I knew he starred in one of those series. I, I forgot which one. I didn't well, remember. Well, there... Tom Conway was also one of the Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. and I thought he was the worst one of the bunch, and a lot of people really liked him. His brother started another movie detective series. Who, who, who? His brother was Joyce Sanders, and he was starred of The Saint. Oh, he was kind of a rough-and-tumble-looking guy, wasn't uh-huh. he? And Tom Conway was kind of a dapper... That little mustachioed yeah. guy. They don't. They don't seem at all similar. Mm-hmm. And they were brothers. How about that? Yeah. Very. Because I think they were, they were from Russia, I think, and they had they chose different names or something. If I remember the story right, maybe I'm thinking of a different combination. Maybe Tom Conway. I'm thinking of, but I thought it was. Well, anyway, for twelve dollars, anyway. we could have had. A Bulldog Drummond poster. Perfect. Yeah. Who's there? Hello there. Hello. There's Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm hungry. Um, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Do you remember our theme for tonight? Did you hear our theme for tonight? Um, let me think. I'm assuming it was, if you had one thing to eat, what would it be? Well, May May 11th, you're close, May 11th is, it still is in California, is Eat What You Want Day. So Mm. if you could eat anything in the world, what would you eat? Uh, well, I'm hungry. (laughs) I'm hungry. Um, I'd eat a giant bowl of 
everything, a giant ball of every food in the word world that's good, I guess. All right, we'll start building it right now. Okay. <laughs> Is there a particular food that you would um, put first on the list? I don't know. Well, what would you? What do you guys like recommend? I mean, I'm not picky, so. Well, we've got two prime ribs. Hmm. One Oreo cookie. We'll make a prime rib out of Oreo cookies. All right. Have you been hanging around Walden? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> Walden may <laughs> have thrown that idea in there, but no. That's a Walden answer. Walden, ask Matt a trivia question while I fuss here for a second. I can hear, but I'm not going to talk. Walden? I think he fell asleep. I think Walden went away. Well, I had I have a trivia question for you. It's got your name on it. Uh, Walden, where did you go? All right, let me see here. I have for Matt. I have a question that says for Matt, and it oh. is right here for Matt. Okay, we're still into horses now. Oh no. All right, now we've, we've gone through all of this. Who rode a horse named Silver? The Lone Ranger. Oh, my goodness, you did it. You did it. All right, good on you. Yeah. Good on you. Let me see. I've got a list with your name on it, and I may have finished your envelope and just haven't sealed it yet. I did. I finished your envelope and just haven't sealed it yet. Who, I, is silver? I put... Who owns silver? Who owned silver? Mm-hmm. That's Mac. Weekly question. I just asked him who wrote silver. Well, who owns silver? Well, isn't it the same? Yes. Oh. <laughs> He's trying to confuse you. All right. It was I working. Put... Mm -hmm. All right, your law enforcement or cop selection. I chose gangbusters. Would you like another sort of cop thing? Uh, sure, why not? Is there something else you would like, like comedy or mystery or detective or kid stuff or spooky or stuff like that there? Uh, mystery sounds, I can use a mystery, any mystery show that... Mystery, you got it. All right, I can do that. All right, uh, All right. so what have you guys been doing lately? Well then, are you there? I'm eating. I knew you, oh you little rascal. Well, I, I knew it. When All I right. said I'm you... hungry, I went and got food. I knew Matt. All right. We, I knew we Matt. Knew you had. I knew Matt was hungry, so I was a good host, and I brought back some food to share. All right. Well, um, you you talk to Matt for a second and share your food. I'll be here. Okay. I'll be here, but I'm not going to be talking. Hold on. All right. Anyway, what I've done? Well, it's been a busy several days. Yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, we went up to the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Once and that is where. 
people who've been in radio or TV for like 20 years, they have an organization, and they honor the singer Michael Feinstein, and Florence Henderson was there, and uh, Norman Lear, Norman Lear was the, you know, creator of a lot of the famous comedy shows and TV, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, so, and so I saw a bunch of the friend, my friends there, and today, I had to go all the way up to almost near Northridge and uh, host the Spurvac meeting with Gordon McMillan of RMS Books and Tommy Cook and Tommy McBillian, so I took care of that. And so it's just been a busy day and I um, I put in a request to, I knew today wasn't going to be a good day for me to go get mom something, so mm-hmm. I told dad and my brother you better go get some seed candy, so we went ahead and hopefully they got that snuck into the house. <laughs> so what about you? What, what have you been doing here the last couple of days? Um, not really much, um, but today uh, my friend and his mother decided to do what she calls a random churro day. What's that? And Well, it, it's a kind of like a holiday we invented. Uh-huh. We went and bought 20 churros from Costco. Ah! And we went and we got uh, four sombreros. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all put the sombreros on, and we went and rode driving a car, recording people's reactions as we gave them a free churro. <laughs> <laughs> Just something to do on a uh, regular Saturday, I guess. So, so how did the holiday? How long the holiday been about? Uh, we it, it really didn't do anything with it until today, um, ah. but it came up as an idea as we're um, coming back from Costco and uh, my friend's mom was eating a churro. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been around for, like, well, I'm guessing a month or so. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so um, she's hoping she can get Internet famous. We're thinking not. I mean, it's just <laughs> giving out. Well, I guess you could say it's random acts of kindness, but... Um, sure. Nothing big, really. So, you got anything planned for Sunday? Um, I'm going to see uh, my grandmother, uh, Kathy. Right. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Um, I probably have to ask if Kurt's going. Um, but yeah, since it's Mother's Day and uh, my, my dad wants to go see her, so, so we all do, but um, what do you have planned for Saturday, Walden? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, probably run off to church and then we'll come home. Mom invited some friends over who have lost their mom. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Mom decided that we're going to have New York steak out on the grill. Ooh. Um, I, I'm getting pressured by Patricia and others that they don't think it's right to have Mom cook on Mother's Day. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but... I say, if that's what gives mom her big thrill in life to cook on Mother's Day, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, if it's what she wants to do, I mean, um, Mother's Day is about... Mother's? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Much, I, whatever the mom wants to do. Yeah. Or, um, Wait a minute. <laughs> I told you I could listen. I just wasn't going to talk for a couple of minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a minute here. So if mom wants to cook, don't you think that's acceptable, Patricia? I think it was probably a polite gesture on her part to say, oh, I will cook. 
that was your signal to say what? I'll get you some toast and peanut butter, Mom. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. I thought I raised you guys better know, than this. I know. I know. Well, that was your cue. If, if the mother's used to cooking and she likes doing it and she yeah. wants to cook for the family, why not let her go ahead and cook? Oh, I thought I read honest. <laughs> what kind of an influence are you on these guys, Walden? Well, I'm just being, I'm being practical. If Mama wants to cook. You're being practical. <laughs> Give me a break. No, I mean, here. honestly, Patricia, would you trust me around a grill? Well, see, I wouldn't trust you around a lot of things, but it didn't seem to make any difference until now. <laughs> well, you know. No, I wouldn't trust you around a grill. I would trust you to set the table. I yeah. would trust your dad and your brother to do. Your dad does a wonderful job yeah. on the grill, you yeah. said. Yeah, he does. And your brother can help yeah. with the... Yeah. The surrounding, you know, the little items that uh -huh. go along with the steak. So, I'm ashamed of you. Uh, shame, shame, Well, shame. will you come over and eat with us then? Sure. Okay. Now, Walden, what did you, what was your reply when she said, your mother said she wanted to cook? Uh, well, my mother knows better, so she doesn't ask, so, mm. but I would assume, wait, what? There's a simple rule around here. Mm -hmm. Make mama happy. Yeah. And uh and so somehow we 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 get in get in shape and I would not be surprised my dad will do the cooking out on the grill. She'll probably mm -hmm. do the other stuff. I will probably be in charge to of to entertain the guests. <laughs> and uh you know, we'll set the table up. Now are you like uh Preparing to entertain the guests? No, I I, I, I have my vaudeville my vaudeville routine. Um, mm -hmm. I'm waiting for Patricia to write the script. I just notified her now, so that's what she's gonna do after the show. Is to type up a vaudeville script for me. Mm -hmm. Right, Patricia? She would. <laughs> <laughs> what? best way to entertain guests, Matt? I mean, if you had company, what's well, the best way to entertain what guests? What kind of guests you're having? Uh, what kind of party are you having, Walden? Uh, I would say it's on the intellectual type. So am I supposed hmm. to be reading to them or what? Well, I mean, well, it also depends on what you're willing to do. I, I'm, to, I'm willing to be charming. Mm. And say, uh, let's, let's, let's have a inter interesting talk. Well, yeah, I mean, you could bring up um certain topics that spark up a huge conversation, like um, like you do a lot of the time. Um, but an intellectual uh, group. Yeah, I think well, I think I will be talking about baseball and football games myself. But you know, yeah, yeah. Is that intellectually stimulating, Patricia? Uh-huh. Well, it beats the heck out of vaudeville. <laughs> you were How listening. How did that get in there? You were listening. Well... I said I would. I promised. Mm -hmm. Well, could you write a vaudeville skit, Patricia? No. You want to? I really couldn't. Oh, you have... How would you want one? 
You have a sense of humor. Yeah, I know. But vaudeville? No, no. I don't think so. I don't think I could do that. Well, I I think you can. I'm willing to give you the opportunity to get try it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gee, you know, you're giving your mom an opportunity to practice grilling tomorrow yeah. too. I'm willing to let mom practice her cooking skills. So this, this is a world of opportunities you are opening for all of us. All right, I agree. I agree. Jim Bragg accused me yesterday. Did I am I adding more people to my entourage? <laughs> what? Well, you know, I you know, I I have people do, drive me around yesterday and drive me around. And so I know. Kim just thought my entourage was getting bigger. You are about the best taken care of person we know. I know. I I uh it's it's nice being Walden, I can just reassure you that. <laughs> It's nice being Walden. I, I, yeah, I think so. So is it nice being Patricia? It's lovely being Patricia, but I don't have an entourage. There's something wrong with this. Mm. I don't have a collection of people wanting to drive. anything outside of that, you know, whether it extended to the public service departments of various cities. One thing, interesting. Yeah, one thing I wanted to throw out as a topic one night, I wanted to know, because um, last week of my nine club spaghetti dinner, and it was just packed. We practically ran our food. And one thing I want to know for these families, what community events have been around your neighborhood or, or your city and that, you know, still goes on today. You know, community activities and things like that. Yeah. And I, I would think the policeman fall for some community was a big deal. Cause it was probably a community effort. Yeah. Be my oh, it's huge. Yeah. It was, it, it was huge. But I don't know where they went. I don't know where they had it. I don't know what constituted a policeman's ball. Was it just like a, a New Year's Eve dance type thing with champagne or wine, or did they have sit-down dinners? Well, did the policeman ever collect toys for the kids for Christmas? I mean, you hear about the fire department doing that. I mean, I, I'm just wondering. Maybe they did. Um, a, they, they do a policeman ball to help raise money to do those types of things for the needy kids. I don't know. Just... Let's see. History of Policeman's Ball. Okay. You you two have to talk for a minute. I'll see if I can find some history of Policeman's Ball. Matt, are, are, you, are you able, are you required to do any community service to graduate from high school? I think some areas are. Is, is that going to be a prerequisite for you? Um, I've already done uh, my community service. Um, I uh, volunteer, uh, uh, did my community service at a La Havre convo, uh, uh, my city's uh, convalescent hospital. And 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 what what did it all entail? Did you have to be available, or what kind of thing did they have you do? Well, um, uh, being a convalescent hospital, I really just had to prepare um, all the seniors uh, for uh, well, let's say lunchtime. And take them to certain places, take uh -huh. them to the rooms, make sure um, 
none of them didn't get too out of hand, and right. if the nurses needed um, assistance, I would uh, help them. And um, at the time, it was Easter's. Um, it was uh, last year since I'm already a sophomore. Um, I had to help take out all the Easter decorations. Um, How many hours did they ask for? Do they do a certain amount of community service hours? How did they figure that out? That you need to it was. I think it was eight, and I did, and I ended up going back one more time just because I wanted to help them out. Right. Um. But yeah, it was. It was only eight. You think you ever doing community service as you're growing up? Is there anything that you'd be interested in seeing that, you know, that you'd be interested in choosing supporting? Yeah. Um. Well, my city doesn't really have a lot that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, I don't hear about it too much anyways, um, mm -hmm. but whatever I can help out the community. Um, well, I actually might be doing um, community service through my church Right. Um, pretty soon. Uh, um, I think so. I um, read it in a, in a pamphlet we had gotten. Um, but other than that, I really don't hear much about community services. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm all for helping um, in the future and in the present right now, uh, yeah. helping out my community and giving back. Probably once once summer summer out, that's probably when you do the, com the church community efforts, probably. You know. Yeah. I don't hear very much about community service. There are groups like Matt is talking about. Occasionally, we'll see youth groups, especially in the summertime. They'll go out and they'll they'll find they'll they'll refurbish houses, they'll paint uh, yeah. outside, they'll right. reset roofs. I mean, these kids just work their little tails off. They do. But in general, I, it seems that everything has gone to financial contributions. Well, that's why they, what they've done out here in California, it's now part of a requirement to graduate from, that you donate so many hours to community activities. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's fabulous. I think that is really a good thing. But like in, in our community here, the, yeah. the uh, I'm positive, cross my heart, I'm positive they haven't gotten much support for this, but every once in a while they'll stick a little note in people's doors, like this is what's happening in the community. Mm -hmm. Here's how to bake mama's bread or something like that. Right. I mean, it really, for a community this size, you'd think they could put more than a recipe for bread on, on a community newsletter. Mm -hmm. But one of them said that they were looking for sponsors because they were participating in the annual Kidney Foundation walk. And so I stepped by and you know, to leave a contribution, and it turns out that the walk is like 60 or 70 miles from here. Wow. I mean, that they're not going to walk that, but only one person from our office, you know, the, the office community, is participating, and she's doing the walk in a function that's 60 miles from here. Wow. And they picked the Kidney Foundation, because that's what their corporate office up in Pennsylvania has chosen over the years as their darling. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the sense of community spirit mm -hmm. is zero. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very happy to make a contribution, and I think it's really special that somebody is willing to go out and, and hoof it for a particular cause. But somehow it isn't, you know what I mean? There's just well, something missing. Well, I, I, it's just been, you know, I'm part of the Lion Club, and there's over a million members worldwide. 
but most of them are older. Uh, and probably because the young families, those are just, you know, you know raising kids and they got tons yeah. of transportation. You don't see a lot of the young fam, you know, young guys in their 30s and 40s mm-hmm. doing the community service work like you did in past generations. Yep, it's it's not the gilding and fibber no. communities any longer. They're just not there. We'll see signs, and I'm sure you've got them out in California as well, this road adopted by, and corporate offices, yep. people from particular corporations will go out and clean a stretch of highway. Take so this next mile it belongs yeah. to craft food companies, let's say, arbitrarily, and the people will go out. And I'm not sure that they're allowing them to even do that any longer because of the liability problem. Matt, call back. I think he disconnected yourself. Yeah, so I, you, I heard the yeah. click there. So, But anyway, maybe we can start a movement. Find something in the community that needs to be done. What was that? That was uh, Matt calling back. Is that you, Matt? Oh, yeah. I, I think I lost you. I know you did. What yeah. did he do? I'm what? not sure what happened. Um, I just heard a beep, and I realized um, you, that you, you were gone. I lost my call. We were gone. We were gone. So, anyway, I think that's a worthy cause. Saturday Night Gang, tell us what you found in your community that needs to be done and how we can go about marshalling the troops to get it done. Mm -hmm. Good deal. Okay, well, Matt, before you go, did you decide what you want for your I-can-eat-anything-I-want day? Um, well... Really, it's just um, food. That's a, a, a just a baby back ribs, and I'm that's what I'm saying. Ah, uh, baby back baby rib. back ribs. Did you say? Yes. Ah, uh, boy, you guys are really into them. Okay, so how stuff. how do you what's the best way to prepare a baby back? Is it like a honey bake? Is it like a Texas style? What kind of what kind of sauce, Matt? Oh. Well, my dad would, would, would cook them on the grill. Um, he'd just throw them on there. A uh, bunch of different types of seasonings, and then he'd just use a, a, just a, um, just a, a regular barbecue sauce. Um, I'm not sure. Um, just kind of like a sweet barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what it's called. Um, but how do you prepare your ribs, uh, Walden? Um, I love ribs. So I might be a, a, a traditional with a bullseye. I'm a big bullseye barbecue. If we're gonna do them at home, bullseye the barbecue sauce I like. Now, do you add anything to it special um, that uh, most people find? Nah, uh, like? nah, mostly grilled. It's mostly grilled out there. Mm-hmm. I, I think now with the, some of the things we're trying, I think we boil the fat off first. Then we put them on the grill, and then we add the uh, the, the bullseye barbecue sauce. Patricia, what's the best way to do barbecue? Depends on what I'm barbecuing. For baby back ribs? Uh-huh. I would bake them very slowly in the oven and slathered in barbecue sauce. I like the craft barbecue sauce. That's good, too. Yeah, we, Gildy, yeah. Gildy will love me for this, yeah. the original <laughs> the original smoky stuff that craft yeah. puts out. Yeah. And I bake them very slowly, and they come out really tender, really tender. So, 
Okay, Matt, baby back ribs it is. You're on the list. Hooray. Oh, wow. All right. Well, you have yourself a wonderful week, and thank you for calling and giving us something to think about with the community service stuff. You'll okay, do good. Nice, too. Oh, right. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Bye. What can we do to help our community? We, what can we do? Yeah. It's it's really a great question. What, what can, can we, we do? do? There's so much to be done. Mm -hmm. How do you find a little corner that you can do something with? Um, well, I sent an email, but I'm not sure it got there. Eva, you are our April winner, and I put your little goodie in an envelope. <laughs> my my bag of envelopes is getting bigger and bigger as I finish these things up, but it will go out within the next couple of days. And it's a wonderful little portable MP3 player that has a rechargeable battery that automatically charges when you plug this thing in your USB port to download or drag and drop MP3 files. So you can walk around with it in your ears. I love it. Oh, man, what would I think of Ness? I know, I know. And by next week, I will have opened the one I got for me. And eventually, you know how it works. Eventually, I can get some action. There will be glasses. And on what would you call them, the little handle part of the glasses, mm -hmm. will be built-in MP3 players. They already have them. Okay. Uh, do they have TV sets in the in the in the in the wind? That way you could watch I TV. I do not know, but you know, I <laughs> I I would suggest that they're probably out there. Bottom half a TV. It's not a good thing to drive with. Upper half is the seat if seen for driving. It's yeah, it's right, right. You can watch it's, the three stooges down below on the left mm -hmm. channel. Yep, major concern for me that they now have um, big screen TV in cars. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. You know, it, well, all of this is making it very easy to stay at home. Can you imagine? Um, I know somebody. I'm so glad. I know. Who do you know? I know this friend of mine, Don Richards, who has one of these SUVs, and he's using Netflix, audit, the... Office G4, that way his kids can watch t movies and things in the back. Sure. Sure. Uh, and it's very common. Standard equipment now. I just don't want the driver to sit back there <laughs> and watch movies while the car is moving. Can, uh, can we imagine what would have been like in our day going on a family trip? I mean, I remember the big deal... Driving to the back of Texas is one year I got one of those uh, scratch things. You know, remember the hand and you uh, oh you yeah, draw the back you scratcher pulled, type thing. Yeah, pulled it, pulled it up, and that that was that was pretty much the the entertainment thing for the trip. Yep. Sit back and be quiet. We we came we came a long way, haven't we? Yes, TV. we have. Yes, we have. I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. Before we get sidetracked here, I happened into a documentary about Dwight D. Eisenhower today. I don't know how late I was coming in. It was already in operation. I stayed with it for quite a while, so I can't imagine that I missed a huge amount. But they compiled. They, it, 
this was the first broadcast date. It was a um, May 2013 broadcast date on it. But when you see an interview with somebody like Walter Cronkite, you know that they, they pulled from archives. Right. And put, I mean, it was really a wonderful documentary, and it had a, a great deal of information about um, the R- Russian relations and <clears throat> pers- both personal and political. You know, what what happened when he had his heart attack and whether or not it was going to influence whether he ran a second time and how they nominated him. Well, there were two things that happened that just made me sit up. The first was that the narrator said he was never a declared Republican. He never declared himself as a Republican until after he was nominated by the Republican Party. Wow. He was a non-party person. Well, there was always that discussion what party he was going to run. He could have had his pick. Yeah. It didn't make any difference. He had never declared that he was anything. I wonder if Adelaide Stevenson had any idea he was ever going to even beat him head to head. In other words, I wonder Adelaide. Uh, or I, did he I figure think, he would yes. issue, uh, issue, uh, a sacrifice a lamb, basically, you know? I don't think so. I, if if he thought he was a sacrificial lamb, he wouldn't have run the second time, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are my thoughts, yeah. that it would not have been head-to-head the second time. I think he really believed that he could win. And reality was because Eisenhower was military and Stevenson was political, he really did have a good chance of going up against him. It was just so close to the war. And so soon after Korea, yeah. well, that, I, actually, I guess we were still in Korea, weren't we? Were, we? we were. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the Republican probably jumped on the bag wagon as soon as possible because they were looking to, you know, he, the Democrat he, had 20 years already on the White House and they were looking yeah. to break the street. I mean, I think... They picked, they picked him yeah. because of his military presence and everybody could still relate to world war ii they were relating to korea they were positive somebody in the military could and they had my gosh the the political campaign that they put together for this man he could have gone out and played tiddlywinks for the entire duration and he would have won wow simply on the momentum of having put him up as a candidate you know, something I would like to watch sometime, I've heard about over the years, it's the 20th anniversary of when he and Cronkite walked on D-Day. And get ah. his feeling, and I bet probably up on YouTube. And, oh, my goodness. You, you know, know it's, I wasn't I wasn't riveted to the television. I was listening to it in, in, the, in the background right. while I was doing other things. So, indeed, they could have had yeah. clips of things that were so important in history that I miss. I'm sure there were. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were. But it was really nice to have such a collection of, you of rec- people. You recall, from, who, you recall who would do the History Channel or PBS? Who was doing it, was, it was a PBS production. Ah, very good. And. You know they they do some really good stuff. Yeah. I I don't watch that channel as often as I should, or or at least check in as often as I should, because yeah. some of their documentaries are spectacular. You just gotta wait till they do the fundraisers. That's when they bring out the good stuff. 
Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, I mean, on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday, especially on the weekend, they do these things. And I don't check often enough to see what's coming up or what they're going to be doing. And I just happened into it. If I saw listed Eisenhower documentary, I'd probably say, ho-hum, what's uh-huh. on the news today? Right. But because I traveled into it by accident and caught a couple of the comments that were being made, I stayed with it, and I'm so glad that I did. What really caught me up short, one of the people featured in interviews, they had a series of people, and um, I I look at these things, it must have taken them 10 years to put it together. I I mean, I wouldn't know where to begin on something like this, but one of the people they interviewed was his son, John Eisenhower. Who is still alive, by the way, everybody. He, the, you know, I, he, I went out and I looked, yes. Yeah. He's the oldest, um, the oldest yeah. uh, son of a president in existence now. You know, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I looked at him and I thought, I don't ever recall Dwight doing individual interviews, and especially in color, while then he was a carbon copy of his father. Wow. It looked, it was like I was looking at his father in color. It was absolutely incredible. Now, I don't know how old he was at the time this particular interview was done that they had rolled into this single documentary. Um, But it it was almost spooky to look and say, that's our president. And it wasn't, it was his son. Just remarkable. So anyway, those are the two things from that I wanted to make sure I shared with you tonight. It was just really good. Really, really, really. How good was it? It was really, really, really good. 714-545-2071. We're up and about. Give Patricia a hoop and a holler. Hoop, hoop. Hoop, hoop. We're going to be here uh, throughout the week. Some combination, everybody. And we'll figure this out as we go. But... You know, Bill and Kim are off playing hooky. So somehow, if the California kids play Florida, that's going to be carrying the station for a while. We're making a sandwich out of Texas. I know. It's just, yeah, you guys on one side, me on the other, and Texas in the middle would make a sandwich. It's just no sense in even bothering you with, with 2001 Richardson, Texas anymore. That is it. Everybody's there. Everybody's there. Oh, gosh. Well, I have stuff. I have stuff. I wrote this one down for you as well. Whatever. I should have just put it in my useless but fun information. It just caught my attention that New York City annually creates 200 million tons of garbage. This is New York City. That's New York City. That's a lot of stuff to build the, uh, the book and bridge with, huh? Yeah, you got, and it costs them three hundred million dollars to send this garbage to landfills. Now I tried to find out which landfills this garbage was going to, but there are a lot more landfills in the country than I thought, which makes sense. I mean, every community has one. Well, I thought some of the these landfills are starting to be filled up. Isn't that supposed to be a problem for America? Oh, big problem. Yeah, big problem. So they started using special liners many years ago. Not, I, I mean, it was not, not like in 1950, but what? quite a few years ago, they started Bio-gr- using... Biodegradable stuff, right? Well, not the liner. Oh, okay. The liner itself, um, I don't know what it's made out of. 
but it protects the earth from the the uh, toxic garbage waste from leaching into the soil. And in some communities, they have actually created land on which they are building communities. Okay. They, they fill it, you know, they, they, they use dirt as fill. They cover this stuff up, and it keeps getting higher and higher and higher until they finally get to the point where it's as high as it will get. They declare it full, and they kind of process it and wait for it to settle and pour some dirt on it and build houses on it. Hmm. Wow. Okay. But we are running out of space. We are running out of landfills, which is one of the reasons that recycling is so important. People will say, well, it's a money-losing operation. They're not making any money. Well, the point is not necessarily to make money. It would be nice if it could support itself, um, you know, that you get a return sufficient to cover the cost of processing recycling. But recycling is simply a good thing to do for all of us. I wonder if they even still, I remember when we were growing up, at least out here, Patricia, uh, it was a penny a pound for paper. I don't even know if they even do. Um, I don't know if they do individuals anymore. I don't know. I mean, you, you know they do for aluminum cans. They pay a pretty good price out here for, you know, so an individual could show up at a recycling center and turn in, let's say, 25 pounds yeah, of, of aluminum. They can do that. That's out here they do all the time. That's how we mm. do it. We, we collect our stuff and we turn them in. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of out of the loop because I've been in an apartment for so long. I don't know what the mass general population is. We collect it in bins here at the community. Uh-huh. When I go to the um, dumpster with my garbage, I also bring my recyclables, and they're in bins next to the dumpster. So um, you don't get rewarded for being a good a good steward of, of no. the stuff. No. Uh-uh. Just think, Patricia, I could have enough money to feed you prime rib for a week. So maybe I should save all of my all of my plastic and and cans and stuff, and just kind of carry him around in the car until <laughs> you can do you can do you can stick in no one's uh styrofoam balls and look for a place i guess oh you know i just took off another layer of box today from that thing <laughs> i'm down about 50 percent you know well at least you're making progress time you get rid of the box you'll have you'll have all the cd boxes to figure out i know yeah. little chip at a time a chip at a time chip at a time chip oh ahoy. my goodness chip ahoy oh. Yeah. yeah. What is a chip ahoy? A cookie. Very good. Very good. Uh, war production. What have I got in war production? War production. Quantities of goods. Let me just save that for next week. It's got some good stuff. Oh, oh, oh. No, here is what I wanted. Oh, oh. U.S. war production. Uh-huh. More than any other combatant nation. The United States had a seemingly limitless capacity to produce war material. The following are examples of the vast opulence, I'm sorry, not opulence, output of U.S. industry during the war years. During the war years, we manufactured 84,017 tanks, 631,873 Jeeps. Wow. 372,431 artillery pieces. 
you know, I'm assuming that that's a variety of things like cannons, mobile cannons and, you know, things that, you know, am I, that would be about right. Yes. Okay. All right. We have 47 million tons. Each ton is 2,000 pounds. 47 million tons of ammunition. We built 87,620 warships. We deployed 54,000 torpedoes. Created, and I assume most of them dropped, 37,701,000 bombs and manufactured 12,573,000 rifles and carbines. That's that a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, wow. So um, I wonder I, how many airplanes we wind up building. Oh, oh, I think I only got the Navy or, or the Army yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Or production. Man, I have to go back and... More production, more production. Okay, yeah, I, I do. I'm, I will go back and see if I can find other also, information. I do have additional pages. Also, if you think about it, I wonder how fast it took him to do reconversion both ways. In other words, let's face it, General Motors and Ford, they weren't ready to gear it up to turn a switch and start making Jeep the next day. It must have taken a, a few months before them, you know, after we were attacked. For them to even start the assembly mm-hmm. line process, I would assume I, it would have. I have to go. I found this information on Google's. It's a Google.com book. Uh-huh. Um, it gives excerpts from various books, and this was an excerpt from what is the name of this book? The Home Front. It's called. It's a, it was a book called The Home Front. I'm on page three hundred and something on this. Um, but I'm going to go back and I will look at the pages that I captured. I can go out with one of my browsers and it will say grab the frame or save the frame and it will give me the three pages, the page I want plus the page before and the page after. So kind of a complicated process, but I figured out how to do it. And this particular sequence of pages includes things like General Motors switched from the manufacturer of cars to B-25 bombers. Chrysler built B-26 bombers and tanks. Ford focused on the B-24. And Ford was able to build one B-24. That's an airplane, right? Yep. Uh, This is incredible. Ford was able to build one B-24 every 63 minutes. Holy cow. Uh, It's it's a bomber they're talking about. In all, Ford plants produced 8,685 of these four-motored bombers. That's incredible. So, and that was just one company. Yeah. So somewhere in this little collection of pages, I think I pulled five or six pages, somewhere in this little collection is more information. I, and I was actually looking for the information about limited duty on draftees. Right. And this, just, this stuff that I just read to you happened to be attached on to what I was looking for. Wow. So uh, I'll tell you. 
What a country we live in, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, what a country. What a country. And I look at somebody like President Eisenhower, and honestly, like, I will go back and read history and reread history and reread it. We just never really know. The longer we get away from an administration, the more we understand and know and can put a grade on it. But just watching what happened in the 1950s during the time Eisenhower was president, and he necessarily didn't influence everything that was happening, but there was so much happening. And it was just so good to be an American. And it's so good to be an American today. I, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. It's easy to complain. It's easy to focus on our shortcomings, and we got plenty of them. But and we, we have plenty of them. And we, but we've done good too. So. But one of the things that is so special about this com- country mm-hmm. is that we willingly admit we have shortcomings. Yep. And then we go out and look for ways to fix them. Mm-hmm. You can't fix them all, and there's always something to replace the one you fixed. But it, we do it mm-hmm. because we're America. <laughs> We good. The land of the home of the free and the brave. You bet. So I've got all of this Maryland good stuff, and I've got your Stump Walden question and your brain teaser and all sorts of stuff like that there, and I've got quotes from comedians and useless but fun information and stuff. And even some freebies that are coming. And Disneyland pet boarding. And, and superstitions. I've got some really great superstitions. And then all this stuff that happened in May. Look at all this good stuff we have. And, I, and I've got other stuff too. Good thing we got some extra shows this week. We can get them all in. We can just hang up the phone and just get, all, get it all in. And just get all, oh, 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 and I mean, you know how I am on movie posters, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I went to my favorite movie poster place, and I said, every week they have an auction of movie posters, so there's always something fun to look at up there. And today I checked out westerns, western movies from 1940 into the 1950s. Mm Which cowboy dominated the 1940s? Well, I, I shouldn't say he dominated. He is dominating the movie poster. It could be that somebody just came up and said, I've got 88 of these yeah. posters. To I, sell, I would I say think. Roy Rogers. It was Gene Autry who's Gene got the most posters Autry. up there, and Roy Rogers was right behind. But, again, those are the posters that are for sale. Sure. But with the numbers of movies that... Gene Autry did, I think he probably was right up on top there. Indian Territory from 1950. Mm-hmm. Um, as of today, that was going for $7. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Okay. And, and it stars Gene Autry and Champion. Hmm. Nothing Hello? like nothing like a horse getting top billing like that. That's pretty There's good. nothing like a horse getting top billing. Now, there was something really interesting about this picture. Now, I'm going to go. I've only got small ones on my I saved this type thing. On your desktop? 
Uh, well, it's a, I, I actually copied and pasted it into a Word document. Ah. I figured out how to do that. I can just drag and drop pictures. And let me see what comes up here. There's a picture. You know, they, they always do artwork, and it's never really clear photography that they did on these movie posters. Well, I looked at what was printed for, you know, the poster that's up for auction, Indian Territory from 1950, from, and it's a Gene Autry thing. And I looked and I said, man, that's not the one. It's a different one. But on one of these, I looked and I said, it doesn't look like him. Wait a minute. Let me see here. No, that doesn't look like him. And I kept, this is it, Beyond the Purple Hills from 1950, another Gene Autry movie, 1950. And I'm positive this is the one. Well, they did a little artwork on the artwork, and he's got this really husky, thick cowboy neck. Right. Gene Autry was not a big man. No, you know? I met him in person. He was a small. My dad. I was, know he did. My and, dad was and, totally shocked how small he was. A very small man. So they've got this picture of Gene Autry. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the dominant feature on this um, movie poster. And they gave him a really nice, thick neck with almost the start of a double chin. Almost the start of a double chin. I'm going to wait for stuff to, to get here. All right. Almost the start of a double chin. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, you know, he's awfully handsome here. <laughs> I know Gene Audrey was not a particularly handsome person. But they've given him a more rugged jawline. He had kind of an effeminate face. Mm. They gave him a rugged jawline, and they put a dimple in his chin. They call it a cleft. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a what? masculine feature that is a, is a woman attractor. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, he didn't have a cleft in his chin. Well, I went out and I got some pictures of Gene Autry, and I'll be darned if this is Gene Autry in this picture, I'll eat the poster. What made Gene Autry so popular? I mean, let's honestly, face it. I think it was good marketing. Yeah, let's face it. I mean, he wasn't the greatest singer. He about. wasn't. He 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 wasn't handsome. No. He was short. He yeah. certainly wasn't the great singer. The, the image of a rope'em ride'em type cowboy. Right. His hat was always too big for his head. He had a really nice horse. Yeah. But that was about it. I mean, he was an okay singer, but he certainly wasn't he of was, Beverly Sills. He was not. I, he was not Roy Rogers' class as a tessitore. No. He didn't have the personality of Roy Rogers. He didn't have the looks of Roy Rogers. He didn't have the flair of Roy Rogers. But America, but had, America loved... Yeah, his charisma or something. There was something yeah. about him, and I'll be darned if I know what it is. But I'll tell you what, if he was like this picture, they would have been swooning in in the aisles. He would have had all the women in America sitting in his movie house. This is not him, Walden. <laughs> I mean, when when he looked at this, I'll bet he thought it was really a great So you're, tell, you're telling me he's giving Cary Grant a run for his money, huh? Cary Grant, yeah, he's got a Cary Grant look in here. That's great. I think Cary Grant had a little cleft in his chin. But you know, I mean, they've they've got it. And I mean, it was, it, forgive.
excuse me, Gene, I really apologize, but he was a skinny little runt. <laughs> you know, he really was. He was a skinny little runt, and I don't know how they managed to fix it up in movies, uh, in yeah. cowboy movies, that yeah. he looked like a rough-and-tumble cowboy who came out ahead on the range. But, you know, I mean, he was a guy with a guitar, a hat, and a couple of Western songs. Remember what Ron said? What? About Gene Autry. Oh, something on a horse. Yeah, a very, rom- a very romantic. Yeah. Yeah. What? What did remember, he say? He said that was, you know, we were talking about rom- romantic song. He thought Gene Autry yeah. was very romantic, singing, sitting on a horse, singing a song on a horse. On a horse. Yes. Yeah, but he wasn't. Uh, no, I mean, well, anyway, maybe somebody will call in and say, yep, this is what he had. This is what he had, but I'll tell you, you know, I mean, he's really hunky in this picture, but he's so hunky, it's not, it, it's it not isn't him. him. Yeah. It ain't him. It ain't him. So if anybody would like a copy of this poster, you know, a, a, a picture to open up in your email of this poster, it, it's really hot stuff. Just throw it out for the young. What old movie stars do you think over the years age very well? Aged well. There are Isn't two that, that comes up to mind. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck aged very well. And, and Cary Grant. Cary Grant did too. You're right. Yeah. So if anybody and, wants to throw that as a nomination, I... Angela Lansbury did very well. I don't know how she looks at Today, this particular yeah. moment, but she did a series, Murder, She Wrote. Right. I guess it would be in the 1980s, maybe. 90s, I think, yeah. 1990s. And she she was really quite nice looking, mm-hmm. and I mean clearly she she was not was the person we she, left yeah. you know twenty thirty forty years ago, but she aged very well, and I know she had a little bit of help, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a problem with that as long as she didn't look like a deer in a headlight. <laughs> you know, I mean some of these people have their faces stretched so tight that their yeah. eyebrows are up around their hairline. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, she, she did very well. Who else would fall into that? But, well, Johnny Carson, I mean, my goodness, he never got old. No. His hair turned gray and it got a little thin and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So he aged very well. Who else? Well, those are the ones I can think of. So if anybody had some opportunity, maybe I could top it for another night. When the family... Catherine, um, Catherine Hepburn aged extremely well. Wow. She was different. She did, she wasn't beautiful mm-hmm. like she was with Spencer Tracy right. and with these very finely carved features. But in in her older years, she was still a very attractive woman. So I, I would put her on the list. But I'll tell you what. Yeah. If this was Gene Autry... I'd be sitting in his audience. Ah. Boy, they really did a great job on this. I wonder who they used for a model. Champion? I wonder if, I wonder if, and this has happened, you know what happened with Eddie Carroll and oh, a, yeah. Jack Benny, yeah. a Jack Benny CD up on Amazon right. had Eddie Carroll's picture. He was such a good, um, I don't want to, uh, impersonator. He wasn't a mimic. Uh, he was an impersonator, a Jack Benny impersonator, and looked so good in his picture. 
his publicity picture, that somebody picked it up and put it on a CD that was being sold. And I'm thinking somebody put the wrong picture here. Oh, dear, a little touch up there. Wow, boy. I mean, they needed a bucket of paint to do this one. But it's good. I mean, it really looks good. It just isn't Gene Autry. So anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And for a mere $16 plus shipping and handling type stuff, you could get this fabulous poster. That is... Oh my goodness, it's a six-sheet poster. It's 80 by 80. 80 inches by 80 inches. That's a lot of feet. What is that, seven seven feet? Close to seven feet. Six and a half feet, right? Uh, Almost seven. seven almost seven feet. Oh, almost it's six, six, and, feet and six feet and eight, eight inches. inches. That's six almost going to cover Patricia's wall. This is pretty close. Boy, you don't have to wallpaper your walls or paint them with, yeah, with stuff yeah. like this. So the last I looked, it was $16 and with buyer's premium for all sorts of stuff like Patricia? this. I mean, it's not a perfect, not a perfect poster by that any might means. Be, but... That might be cheaper than wallpaper for your, your appointment. Hey, certainly. <laughs> it certainly would be. So that's my story. For $16, you can get a picture of Gene Autry, who isn't Gene Autry. <laughs> All right, so we got Indian Territory, so it's Gene Autry, Gene Autry. Uh, Gene Autry, Gene Autry, Gene Autry, The Cowboy and the Indians with Gene Autry. Cowtown, what is this? Uh, black and white, uh, Mule Train and Cowtown for two posters. One for Mule Train and one for Cowtown. Both of them are black and white. You can get two posters for a dollar. Gene is not selling well. Oh, look at this. Now a set of lobby cards. Those are mm, that eight, eight. Okay, 11 by 14 is the total. So it's the total size of a sheet of legal size paper. And there are eight of them. So you would divide that into eight sections. And they're all in color. And for $58, it was up to $58 for that, for the cards. And then we have Down Mexico Way from uh, 1941. Yep. Do you remember that? Down Mexico. Oh, I remember that's where I think he's saying the song or South of the Border. Oh, well, that would make sense, wouldn't south it? South of the Border. Down Mexico Way. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, we were up to $66 on that. And that one is not in good shape at all. That. It's, um, well, it says it's fine to very fine, but boy, I can sure see some crease lines in it. So that was up to $66. And then we get to Rim of the Canyon, 1949, starring Gene Autry and Champion <laughs> and a whole bunch of other people like Alan Hale. Um, Rim of the Canyon. Oh, I've got two Rim of the Canyon. Okay, Rim of the Canyon poster and Rim of the Canyon lobby cards. The poster was up to $42. I wonder what he looks like in this one. I don't think they gave him a... I, I tell you, boy, that chin is really good stuff. He did not have a very strong chin. You know, Gene Autry and Champion starring. So, you know, Gene Champion didn't act very much in, in the top billing, so that's probably a good deal for Gene. Well, I, I kind of think that 
Gene only got somewhere because of the horse, and the horse only got somewhere. <laughs> a horse only got somewhere because Gene was there. Uh-huh. I mean, look at that! They gave him a cleft in this one too, but he kind of looks wimpish. So it's it's pretty it's pretty close to real. He looks wimpish. But I mean, he was a very nice person. I just don't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. He really was a very nice person. Hey, he he he. He he maximized his talent. So there's no doubt about that. Yeah, he he looks. I don't know. There's a word foppish, and kind of like a a British dandy with a sweet feminine face. Hmm. He he had feminine features. Uh-huh. I don't know. But it's Gene Autry in that. He he I he I give up. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm picking on poor Gene. You know, I mean, he always had a hat that looked like. See, that, no, that was another one. My my mom always thought, well, Roy Rogers, age well. But Gene oh, did, yes. But Gene did oh, not. Oh, yes, he did. But Gene did not. Gene did not, no. Mm-hmm. No. And he didn't have as much to work with as Roy Rogers. That's true. And I don't mean that in, in a really, I'm really sounding awful with poor Gene tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gene. But you really didn't have as much to work with as, as Roy Rogers yeah. did. So one of his posters was going for $68. And then we had, this was interesting. I guess they were on a bell routine from 1950, Bells of Coronado. From 1947, Bells of San Angelo. Those were Roy Rogers. Um, And then we had the Gay Ranchero, which probably wouldn't fly today, but that was okay in 1948. Yep. And that was with... And, uh, you know, starring Roy Rogers and right. Trigger. Right. Uh, Andy Devine, Bob Nolan, Sons of the Pioneers. Dale Evans was not in there yet. Um, and there's a press book, a press book, My Pal Trigger. Somebody want My Pal Trigger. Um, and then we have a Western, Valley of the Sun, 